We're often on the lookout for that big opportunity we feel will change the course of our lives, but many times it's the small, seemingly insignificant moments that have the greatest impact. Hi, I'm Jim Daly with Focus on the Family. Author Cecil Murphy tells how something as simple as a broken heel unexpectedly led to a new life for Betty. Going about her business one day, she stepped into the street and broke the heel of her shoe. She sat there on the curb, nursing her ankle, and noticed a shoe store she must have walked by a hundred times. She went inside, and while waiting for her repairs, a man she recognized came into the store. They struck up a conversation. Which eventually led to a relationship, and a short while after that, marriage. Someone once said, "Life is what happens while we're busy making other plans." Betty wasn't looking for someone to marry that day, but life interrupted her on her way to somewhere else. A simple, unexpected event like a broken heel opened the door for Betty's whole life to change. How often do we overlook life's smaller moments? We think they're meaningless, too insignificant to really matter. But if we keep ourselves open to moments we haven't planned, we may find life blossoming in ways we couldn't have anticipated. Be attentive because opportunities might be right there waiting for you. To help your family thrive, visit focusonthefamily.com. I'm Jim Daly. Let's see. If something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into. And that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month. And that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 888-SHARE-19. That's 888-SHARE-19. 888-SHARE-19. Hi, I'm Jessica, a sales executive with Word Media Group. If you are a business owner and listener of this station, Word Media Group is a place to generate more traffic for your business plus support Christian radio. Contact me at 502-774-0943 to learn more on how we can help you grow your business and bless this community by supporting Christian radio. That's Jessica at 502-774-0943. I look forward to helping you grow your business through the outlets of Word Media Group. Keep it locked on Kentucky Alice, only locally owned sports talk, 1450 and 96.1 FM. The Big X Sports Radio, WXVW, Jeffersonville. Hi, this is New Albany Mayor Jeff Gahan. I'd like to take this opportunity to wish New Albany and the Bulldogs the best of luck this season. It's going to be a special season. Thanks for making New Albany proud. We have a lot to be proud of here in New Albany, most importantly our schools. The citizens of New Albany and Floyd County are investing $87 million to make our public schools even better than before. Our students will be safer, and they'll even have a greater opportunity to reach their potential. Come see for yourself why the city of New Albany is where you should be. 
Honey Baked Ham in New Albany is the perfect spot for a healthy alternative to fast food. They provide a variety of freshly made sandwiches, as well as salads and delicious soups. And you can dine in or take it to go. They also have many dinner options such as ham, turkey, frozen sides, and desserts, which provide a complete meal. Catering is also available for small groups or large gatherings. Call Honey Baked Ham today, 812-941-9426, or visit them, 3602 North Cape Court, Suite 23 in New Albany. Kratz Sporting Goods is Southern Indiana's team sports specialist and is your local Adidas team product dealer. Kratz specializes in outfitting your team, organization, club, or business in apparel, hard goods, and accessories from Adidas and many others. Kratz offers fundraising opportunities for your team, organization, or club through online web stores. Let our friendly staff get you started today by calling 812-282-5400 or visit and shop at our website at kratzsports.com. Until about 10 years ago, for any electrical work I needed at my house, I was always calling a different electrician, sometimes for the same job. Things weren't done right and they weren't done on time, but for the last 10 years, Allen Electrical has been the only one I call. The work is unparalleled, it's prompts, the team's the epitome of professionalism. <laughs> you know, when I see an Allen Electrical truck in a neighbor's driveway, I kind of smile because I know they're getting the best. Allen Electrical, your electrician for life. Visit allenelectrical.com. They'll never leave you in the dark. <laughs> Roosters, a fun casual joint. Join us at Roosters every Monday, all day, for the boneless wing special. Only 79 cents each. Roosters has salads, wings, sandwiches, pizzas, and all of your favorite adult beverages. Roosters has a great family atmosphere. Fun for the whole family. Roosters has TVs everywhere, so you can watch your favorite team. Roosters on Dixie Highway, Preston Highway, Fern Creek, Shelbyville Road, and Springhurst. There is not a better feeling to have a smile on your face after getting your car serviced. That's how it works at Consolidated Tire and Auto Care. Serving Kentuckiana for over three decades, fixing brakes, putting tires on, and servicing your car. And now, from a new and improved location at 3305 Preston Highway. Want to get your car running right and keep it that way? Get to Consolidated Tire and Auto Care, 3305 Preston Highway. Got a question? You can call them at 456-2220. Consolidated Tire and Auto Care, total car care, and the best brake job in town. Jason here with AirServe and I have an offer you can't refuse. For this month only, get a complete system installed for only $69.95. This is not a gimmick and there are no hidden costs. That's right, get a complete system for $69.95 installed. Hurry up and call today to set up your appointment before we are totally booked. Go to AirServe.com and schedule your appointment today. Remember, stay cool, stay comfortable, stay AirServe. When design is key to your landscape project, give Walnut Ridge Landscape and Design a call at 812-288-6691. Walnut Ridge has more experience than any landscape company in the area. Remember, Walnut Ridge Landscape and Design. When design is key to your project and you want the most experienced landscaping company in the area, give Walnut Ridge a call at 812-288-6691. Walnut Ridge Landscape and Design. When design is key. In five, four, three, two, one. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute. I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your hot bear. 
Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. Feel these nipples. That boy is good. Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos and motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. All right. All right. All right. All right. Welcome in, everybody. It is Monday, December 4th. This is the Mike Rutherford Show. We're coming to you from the world-famous University of Louisville College of Business Studios here in sunnier than it was, Louisville, Kentucky. Cards fans looking for a competitive advantage in today's data-driven world? Look no further than the Masters in Business Analytics from the University of Louisville, which you can get in just 12 months. No previous coding experience is required. Delve into the world of analytics and data visualization, learning essential tools like R, Python, Power BI, machine learning, and more. It means nothing to me. It may mean something to you. This is now available both online and in person to get started today or just to learn more. Visit business.louisville.edu. We're on the air today from 3.06 until 6 here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM. Streaming all over the Western Hemisphere. You know us better as the Big X. Mike Rutherford is here. Trevor Kelsey is not here. Uh, of course, this is this might be the most jam-packed show of the year as far as things to talk about. We've got Louisville playing in the conference championship game over the weekend. Didn't go great. Not sure if you've heard about this. We've got reaction to that. We've got the catastrophic sequence of events that have led to Louisville not getting into the Orange Bowl, playing in the Holiday Bowl against the Caleb Williams list USC team. We've got that to talk about. The playoff itself, the I mean the biggest playoff snub of all time, biggest controversy of all time, lots to get to there, ramifications throughout the college football world. We've got the transfer portal in full swing. We got cards in the portal. We got cards potentially coming into the portal. We got all this stuff to discuss. We got basketball playing Virginia Tech, looking somewhat competent yesterday, but ultimately losing again, 20th straight time on the road. We've got their dismal net ranking to talk about. We've got volleyball in the Sweet 16. we got women's basketball, holding serve, taking care of business. All of it to talk about for the next three hours. And, of course, Trevor Kelsey is gone uh, and will be gone apparently the rest of the week. So this was, so no TK this week. We do have Gary here today. Gary. Hello there. How are you? I am good. How about yourself? I'm well, doing fantastic. How was your weekend? Oh, my weekend was filled with sports. Was it? Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of stuff for GTK. Oh, nice. You know, because we had women's basketball. Correct. We had men's basketball. And, of course, on Saturday night, we had that game. We did. <laughs> we did. So, you know, somebody has to sit here and, and guide the ship. So, that was me. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. We've got uh, we we have yeah, all that good stuff to get to. We want to hear from you, of course, on the Thornton Sex line at 502-414-1450. I, I think what happened is you know, Trevor's Eagles finally got reality just smacking them in the face yesterday. They they go down to the 49ers and go down pretty badly to the 49ers. And all of a sudden now everyone's talking about San Francisco, the team to beat in the NFC. 
Philadelphia no longer the favorites to get to the Super Bowl. I don't think Trevor could handle it. I don't think he could stomach talking about it, so he had to get out of town. And uh, you know, Does he need some depression medicine? Because i got plenty I can lend him. We may, <laughs> he may. Well, it's, he's a seasonal, seasonally depressed guy, but it's like only around Christmas. He just, he just doesn't like Christmas. He's a big Thanksgiving guy. Oh, bah humbug. I don't think that's really true. I'm just I'm just making stuff up now. It's fine. He, he's going to be okay. Uh, I think we'll have Scoots in here the next uh, couple of days after this. Uh, we'll figure things out as we go. But happy to have Gary here today. Happy to have you guys along for the ride as well because, like I said, these are the types of days doing sports radio in a college, I was going to say college heavy, but it, it's just a college market. Like We don't have pro sports here outside of, you know, Louisville City and Racing Louisville and, and the Louisville Bats. College sports drive the discussion here year-round. And college sports, I don't know if you guys knew this, don't really take place in the summer. So you've got you've got like six or seven months where you've got actual games going on. The rest is just kind of speculation and nonsense, which is why Trevor thrives in like May, June, July, when he can just get into his nonsense and I can't stop him and say, hey, we've got actual stuff to discuss. Today is one of those days where you wish you could kind of space it out you wish you could take some of these discussions. I mean, one of these things would drive us for three hours during April or May or June, and today we're going to have to gloss over some stuff because there's just too much to get to. We'll start where I think we have to start, which is the beginning of this football conversation, which is what happened Saturday night in Charlotte. Louisville goes down 16-6 to FSU. It's a game that I – look, I, I picked us to win on Friday – it wasn't just me putting on the fan hat and doing the, the rah, rah, rah and uh, trying to create some good vibes. I genuinely thought that Louisville was going to go down there and beat a shorthanded Florida State team and win the, the conference championship. Didn't happen. The defense played well enough to win the game. The offense did not. And Louisville loses 16-6 to to, against an FSU team that really didn't try to do anything offensively with Brock Glenn at quarterback. Tate Rodemaker did not play. Their best offense was going with the Wildcat, and you know they had a, a two-play drive for a, a touchdown, which was their only offensive touchdown of the entire game, their only offensive touchdown that was scored in the game period. It feels like a wasted opportunity for sure. I think a lot of the stuff that we talked about on Friday, having to capitalize when those mistakes for FSU occurred, having to limit your own mistakes, special teams, all that good stuff, it came back to bite us for the second game in a row. The second game in a row where it felt like it was a pretty easy read on the game. You know, we thought we'd be able to run it a little bit. We didn't really run the ball that well against them. We thought maybe they'd be able to run it against us a little bit. They didn't really run it that well against us. So it was always going to come down to mistakes, special teams, the little stuff. It was another game where you thought for a while there, a Cardinal opponent's just not going to get called for a penalty. You knew early on that they were going to call things in the secondary the same way that they called it in the pit game, which called which resulted in Jeff Brom coming out and saying I I think I have to be more of a run focused coach because they're just letting teams get away with stuff in the secondary that they weren't letting them get away with three four five years ago and very early on it was obvious they were going to let a lot of clutching and grabbing go in, in the secondary and there were several plays where it looked like Florida State could have gotten called for pass interference there were several plays where it looked like we could have gotten called for pass interference uh, this, this is what you have to do bad calls both ways but let's just talk about the calls that went against us there were some definite calls where I thought we were trying to push the ball downfield, thought maybe we'd get a flag, didn't. When that's the case, you've got to have a strong running game, and we could not run the ball effectively at all against their their front seven, which is loaded with a bunch of guys who are going to play on Sundays. I still thought they were begging to give us the ball at one point. I, I thought there's going to be a moment 
where this Brock Glenn kid, who looks like me back there throwing the ball for most of the game, is going to give us something. He tried a couple of times, and we just didn't catch the ball for the second straight week. There was a fumble on a miscommunication where the ball was snapped early. He falls on it. Like We just never got that moment where there's a mistake out there. They're trying to give us the ball. They're trying to give us this momentum play that puts us in front, that allows us to play with a lead, and we just didn't seize it, or it was so close to happening but just didn't. It was that kind of night, and at a certain point, I think that we all just assumed Jeff would scheme us into that game. I think he tried early on. I think he realized we've got to push the ball down the field. FSU is going to play single coverage. We think we can get some good matchups. We think we can take some shots. We took some shots. Jimmy Callaway drops a very well-thrown ball on the very first series. Uh, It looks like Chris Bell has trouble locating a ball. It was underthrown for sure. Jack Plummer has him with two or three steps, and if he has a stronger arm, it's a touchdown. But Bell still has the ball go right through his arms. And that really set the tone. Like Those are the moments you think when you when they happen on the first couple of drives, well, we got all game. We'll come back. We'll hit on a few of these. But Florida State tightened up. They do what great defenses do, and they stopped allowing those types of opportunities. And you look back, and you're like, that was the chance. Those were the chances. Now, the, the other one big chance was when the cards got the ball down, First and goal, you've got a couple of cracks at the end zone. It looks like Jack Plummer's thrown a touchdown to Nate Kariski. He doesn't come down with it. I was surprised they didn't review it. I don't think it was cut and dry, and I know a lot of people wanted to say it was clearly a touchdown. I don't think it was cut and dry. I think it was probably a drop. He didn't have the catch the entire way. There's no real good camera angle either that shows how long he's got it. So there's no way they were going to overrule it. But the fact that they didn't even go to review, I thought was a little bit silly. So you have that missed opportunity, and then Plummer just, he does what he's done far too many times this year, throws a inexcusable pick in the end zone at an inexcusable time. And really, I think we all were on the same page at that point. You hoped that there was going to be a heroic driver. You hoped that something was going to happen after that, but you felt like that was the moment. That was the chance. And it didn't happen. And from that point forward, really, Plummer looked like he was just completely rattled, like just did not look good. And that's the game. Louisville loses 16-6 to an FSU team that has playmakers all over the field I, I was struck by something we talked about before the season I, I think it was August maybe July when I was like uh, you know we're doing again summer radio show you're spending an hour on just scuttle things that you've heard and I'd you know well placed sources I, I'd come back and said here's what I'm hearing about this team and one of the things that I said was this coaching staff genuinely believes that this is going to be the least talented team that they field I think every every coaching staff that takes over at a power conference program wants to believe that this this coaching staff's among them. They thought we can be good this year, but we're going to be better moving forward. We're going to bring in here better talent. We're going to develop the guys that we do have. This could be a team that wins eight, nine, maybe ten games, but we're going to only get better from this point forward. And I think you watch this team play this year, and at times you're you're kind of sitting there being like, We're ten and one. How much better can it really get? Is that just coach speak? And then you see a game like this where you realize we just don't have the dudes that it seemed like Florida State does. And it was on full display for four quarters. Their speed, their size. I mean, we've got good players. But then you see like Jared Verse just shoving Willie Tyler with one hand back into Jack Plummer for a sack. You see you know, them being able to go to a Wildcat offense with a couple of their playmakers back there and and us just not having much of an answer. We've got really, really good players. 
they've got dudes that are are cut from a different mold. Now, we've got some of those guys. We just don't have them all over the field on both sides of the ball. They didn't have one at quarterback. We didn't have one at quarterback either, unfortunately. This was a game where you're like, eventually, if we're going to win these types of games, you're never going to, I think, have the type of talent that the Florida States and the Clemsons of the world do. You hope to, but recruiting probably isn't going to come full circle in our lifetime to a point where Louisville is is perennially, perennially pulling in top five classes. FSU is going to do that. They're always going to have a top 10 class, even, you know, I guess now they're worried about conference affiliation, but for right now, they're always going to have top 10 players. But you hope to make it closer, whether it's through the transfer portal or your own development or just recruiting some some classes like the ones we've had the last couple of years, where you've got some high four-star kids, maybe an occasional five-star slips in there. But in this game, it was so apparent the talent differential. And not capitalizing on those one or two moments where the fourth down play, case in point, Jeff Brom calls the perfect play. Everyone does the perfect thing. Josh Lipson sells it well. He slips out at the perfect time. All Jack Plummer has to do is either pump fake or make sure that he throws it over the defensive end, and he doesn't do it. Ball gets knocked down. Florida State wins the first big battle of the game, ends up kicking a field goal and, and taking the lead. Those are the plays you have to hit on. The Chris Bell streaking for what could have been a touchdown, if it's a better thrown ball, got to capitalize. Ben Perry dropping an interception, got to capitalize. Jimmy Callaway dropping the ball on the first drive, got to capitalize. Uh, the, the interception in the end zone, can't do it. Kariski's drop, got to come down with it. I know it's a tough play, but if you're going to beat teams like Florida State, they're going to make those plays. You've got to make them too. And we just weren't there. We just didn't have the dudes to win this game. I was a little bit surprised. And again, this is a game I was super disappointed at the way it played out. I was surprised, though, at just how angry the fan base seemed to be after the game. I know that social media isn't always indicative of the entire collective fan base's reaction. But when like, I talk to some of my friends, when, when I'm, I'm texting with people and people are messaging me, I did think that, for the most part, the outrage that you saw on social media, the outrage that you saw on, from people on Twitter, on my website, on Facebook comments, whenever, was kind of reflective of the overall feeling of the fan base. People were pissed off that Louisville lost this game. And it surprised me a little bit because you, you lost a conference chance. I, I know that they didn't have their first or second string quarterback, you're still losing a conference championship game. We were picked eighth in the league. Getting there alone should be enough to say, you're kind of playing with house money, to a Florida State team that was unbeaten and ranked in the top four. And it's Florida State. It's not like it's an unbeaten NC State team that just is overachieving and is having this Cinderella-type season. It's Florida State. They expected to be here. They got here. And they took care of business in a way that they expected to take care of business. I was disappointed, not happy about it, but I wasn't irate. I I wasn't like this is I mean, you have people out there who were and, and hopefully they've settled down at this point who were kind of saying this invalidates the entire season. You know, we're just losing these last two games. I, I now have questions about Jeff Brom. How could Brom how are we supposed to trust Jeff Brom if he couldn't get a better quarterback? And the conversation about the quarterback position, we've had this conversation like seven or eight times on a Monday this season. And at some point like, I mean, people have to like this is who Jack Plummer is I wasn't furious at Jack Plummer because I've seen him play that type of game I've seen he was a little bit worse than he's been at various times this season but we knew he wasn't going to come out there and light up Florida State Florida State is the only team in the country 
that is forcing that has forced more incompletions than they've allowed completions this season. They came into the game allowing opposing teams to complete just 47.8% of their passes. It's been seven years since a team in college football at any level has forced opponents to complete lower than 50% of their passing attempts. So for us to come out there and expect that Jack Plummer is just going to be slinging it all over the field, like it was never going to be that type of game. Did he miss some throws? Yeah. Does he always miss some throws? Yes. He's not a great college quarterback. And I don't know why, like when we win games, I mean, think about the NC State game. He didn't do enough to win that game. The defense stepped up and they got it done. We made a couple of big plays. But when we win games, I think everybody just kind of forgets. It's this goldfish brain effect. And you're like, hey, maybe Jack's going to be great next week. He's never going to turn into 2003 Peyton Manning out there. It's just not going to happen. And we knew that from day one. I mean, I came in here after the Murray State game, after the Georgia Tech game, after the, the first two or three games we played and said, like, I think he just doesn't have the arm to make some throws that are out there. And he doesn't. Like that, that Stuff like that's not going to change, especially with a six-year guy. So while I was upset with the way that Jack Plummer played for sure, because he can be better than that. I'm not trying to say that. I wasn't like, oh my God, I can't believe this guy. We've seen him all year long. And if you're wanting to say, should we have played somebody else? I mean, I, you can listen to that. I, I understand why people are, would like to have seen some of the other quarterbacks more. But we've seen Brock Doman. We've seen Evan Conley. Those are your number two and your number three guys. I don't think they could have done anything else. I mean, last year you had everybody, when Malik was playing poorly, saying, we need Brock, we need Brock, we need Brock. And then Brock plays against a really aggressive Kentucky defense and can't do anything. And everyone's like, get Malik out there with one leg. Like I think it would have been that same type of deal. I think it would have gone even worse. And everyone, I saw people tagging me, tagging Jeff, talking about we need Pierce Clarkson, we need Pierce. I don't think people realize Pierce Clarkson's the fifth string quarterback on this team. You're going to have to go through four other guys before you get to Pierce Clarkson. And you thought that their freshman was kind of deer in the headlights? Brock Glenn's a five-star kid who's one of the uh, top seven quarterback in his class. He's a guy that they were saying in practice can make all the throws. That's how he looked when he went up against Louisville. I'm not saying Pierce Clarkson wouldn't have stepped up and been better, but I think it's more likely than not that he would have looked a little bit deer in the headlights as well. You can't throw him to the Wolves. He's, his only game experience came against Murray State when we were up by 45 points. You're saying his next game experience is going to come against Florida State with three point, with, with you know down six with a conference championship hanging in the balance? I don't think it's fair to the kid. Would I like to see one of these quarterbacks play a little bit in the bowl game? Sure. I think the issue with potentially, and we'll talk more about the bowl game as, as time goes on, but I think that the issue with people saying you've got to start somebody else, you know, Jack Plummer, thank you for getting us to 10 wins, but... This is the first game for 2024. The problem is if you start Pierce Clarkson or you start Harrison Bailey or you start Brady Clark, Brady Allen, you're giving somebody the leg up going into the offseason where I think as of right now, you're saying, let the best man win. We've got another transfer portal quarterback on campus right now taking a visit who would definitely be in the mix, probably the favorite to be the starter if he does come here. But for right now with those three guys, you, you know the order may have been Harrison Bailey, then Clarkson, then Allen this year. But you give them a clean slate. You let them battle it out. If you start Clarkson in the bowl game, that's giving him a leg up over everybody. If you start Harrison Bailey in the bowl game, who I think is more likely to start than Clarkson would be, you're giving him the leg up going into the offseason. I don't think they want to do that. I think they also want to reward Jack Plummer and say, like, you know, maybe not the type of quarterback we want moving forward, but for this year, I don't think we had anybody else in this roster that could have gotten us to 10 wins. 
Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But I think that's what the staff thinks. And at some point, I think you trust Jeff Brom and Brian Brom and the staff's track record with quarterbacks. So I was upset about the way that Plummer played. I was, I was upset about the way the team played. But I wasn't irate. I wasn't shocked. We've seen this all season long. It's still, to me, and I said this and some people agreed and a lot of people didn't agree. I feel like the extreme reaction to what happened on Saturday night was at least a little bit, if you're admitting it to yourself, about what had happened the week before against Kentucky. I think if you lose the conference championship game to Florida State in the exact same way, 16-6, to Jack Plummer doesn't play well, the offense can't move the ball, all that stuff. But you're 11-1 and and you've just beaten your arch rival for the first time since 2017. I think you're more okay with it than you were with the scenario that played out over the last two weeks. I think people are comparing it to 2016, which is fair. We lost the last three games of that season. We now have a chance to lose the last three games of this season. I think it's a little bit different because you, we, you know, we played in a conference championship in one of them. But if you're, I'm going to do the sports radio thing where you've got to compare sports radio to relationships, right? If you had a gigantic screw up three weeks, three weeks ago, and you know you, your your wife, your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your whoever, has kind of forgiven you. You've talked about it. They were very upset. This was a big time screw up, like almost killed the relationship. You've talked about it. You feel like you've gotten over it. And then three weeks later, four weeks later, however much time later, you have a little bit of a screw-up. You know, you, you, you say something slightly mean or you forget to take the trash out, something small, and they blow up on you about it. They go nuts. You're so irresponsible. I, don't, I shouldn't have stayed in this relationship. It's not really about the small thing. It's about the bigger thing. It's partly about the small thing. That was the triggering device. But the explosion wouldn't have been nuclear if what had taken place four weeks before had never happened. And I think that's what you saw on Saturday night. People were pissed about the fact that that game, it felt like it was there for the taking. Florida State looked so vanilla. They had such little offense, and we couldn't answer at all. But it also brought up, we lost to UK the week before in a game that we were expected to win. I think that's why you see the anger. And that's why you see people who are like, I don't know if Jeff Brom's the right guy for this job. I don't know if Brom can get it done here. He's won 10 games. He's the first coach in the history of the program to win 10 games in his first season. I think you've got to give him the benefit of the doubt. It sucked. I hated that we lost. It definitely ruined my Saturday night. But it did not, to me, change the overall view of the season, which is a successful one. If you told anybody coming into this year that we were going to win 10 games, every every one of you would have signed up for it. I, I hate losing to Kentucky. I hate losing to FSU the way that we did. It does not overshadow what we did in the preceding three months to me. And I don't think it should do you either. We're going to talk about the bowl game. We're going to talk about the sequence of events that led us to playing in this bowl game. I mean, it was, it was the disaster scenario that we talked about on Friday. If you were going to lose to Florida State, and this is how dumb college football is, but if you were going to lose to Florida State, you would have been better served losing 49 to nothing than 16 to 6. This was the exact way that you could not lose to Florida State if you wanted to end your season in Miami at the Orange Bowl. Louisville did it. They got punished for it. Florida State got punished for it way more than we did. We'll talk about it uh, coming up after the break. We'll get into all the bowl game. We'll talk holiday bowl. We'll talk that good stuff. It's the Mike Rutherford Show, Monday edition here on 1450 and 96.1. The Big X. 
the perfect spot for a healthy alternative to fast food. They provide a variety of freshly made sandwiches as well as salads and delicious soups. And you can dine in or take it to go. They also have many dinner options such as ham, turkey, frozen sides, and desserts, which provide a complete meal. Catering is also available for small groups or large gatherings. Call Honey Baked Ham today, 812-941-9426, or visit them, 3602 Northgate Court, Suite 23 in New Albany. Kratz Sporting Goods is Southern Indiana's team sports specialist and is your local Adidas team product dealer. Kratz specializes in outfitting your team, organization, club, or business in apparel, hard goods, and accessories from Adidas and many others. Kratz offers fundraising opportunities for your team, organization, or club through online web stores. Let our friendly staff get you started today by calling 812-282-5400 or visit and shop at our website at kratzsports.com. At Genesis Diamonds, we're rolling back prices and finance rates so you can get that special someone the most special gift ever. Maybe it's that pair of diamond earrings or that all-new designer fashion bracelet or that dazzling two-carat diamond ring. It's all more affordable because at Genesis, we've got special pricing across the board and zero interest for five years. So you can get that $3,000 diamond pendant and pay just $50 a month or that $6,000 eternity band for just $100 a month. Everything's included in this amazing holiday offer. All our GIA certified natural diamonds and all our lab-grown diamonds. Even all our luxury pre-owned Rolex watches. Imagine that $15,000 Rolex for just $250 a month. You can even finance the sales tax. Don't let talk of rising prices and high interest rates dampen your holiday spirit. At Genesis, we're lowering prices and taking interest rates down to zero. Get that headliner gift they deserve and make your money go farther than ever. Merry Christmas from Genesis Diamonds. Shelbyville Road Plaza on approved credit. Jason here with AirServe, and I have an offer you can't refuse. For this month only, get a complete system installed for only $69.95. This is not a gimmick, and there are no hidden costs. That's right. Get a complete system for $69.95 installed. Hurry up and call today to set up your appointment before we are totally booked. Go to AirServe.com and schedule your appointment today. Remember, stay cool, stay comfortable, stay AirServe. When it comes to cabinets, appliances, furniture, audio, and video, nobody does it like Century Entertainment and Furnishing. Listen to what these very satisfied customers had to say. This is Jennifer, and we could not be happier with our outdoor sound system that Century installed for us. It is very user-friendly, and we love it. Thank you, Century. Hi, this is David. Century did my security system, cabinets, and entertainment system. The work is very high quality, and the customer service is top-notch. Visit Century at their beautiful state-of-the-art showroom at 4310 Shelbyville Road or at CenturyLiving.com. At Juno Japanese Restaurant, not only do they strive to serve the most exquisite Japanese food, but they are also committed to providing their guests with a great dining experience. Juno Japanese Restaurant has many delicious items to choose from, like their extensive sushi menu, and you're going to love Juno's hibachi grill. Try their teriyaki chicken, New York steak, filet mignon, shrimp, scallops, and more. They're open for lunch and dinner with two locations, Hampton Lake Way off Chamberlain Lane and 5406 Antle Drive off Preston Highway. The plumbers, pipe fitters, welders, and HVAC technicians of local 502's commitment to excellence can be seen in our community every day. 
The KFC Yum Center, Ford Motor Company, and the Omni Hotel are just a few examples of their professional craftsmanship. Local 502 has been part of our community for over a century and invests over $1 million annually training skilled local workers. Members of Local 502 are your friends, neighbors, and children's coaches. For more information, go to LU502.com. Local 502, built on excellence, building a better tomorrow. Welcome back in Monday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show. I'm assuming that Gary, you, you, Trevor did do the music. They sent this in? Yeah, Trevor sent it in. Yeah, because he's it's all Holiday Bowl, I'm assuming, themed songs since we're going out to Cali. Trevor's excited about the Holiday Bowl. We'll talk more about the Holiday Bowl. Yeah, if I were picking California music, I'd pick like California Girls by the Beach Boys. Maybe it's in there. You know, Trevor's a jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, California Dreamin' by the Mamas and the Papas. He might work that in. You never know. Would not be shocked at all. Well, we might work that in. You never know. We'll see what happens. Uh, So so 502-414-1450 is the Thornton text line. We'll get to the text line momentarily. First segment was kind of a downer, talking about the game. Are you ready for a positive, folks? Here's the, the, the one big positive that you can take away from the sequence of events that took place over the 48 hours from Saturday night through when we find out that we're going to the Holiday Bowl. At least this time, Kentucky didn't cost us the Orange Bowl. We can say that definitively. In 2016, losing to Kentucky in the regular season finale 100% cost us the Orange Bowl. We w- would have had a chance to play Michigan. Instead, a Florida State team that we beat by approximately $1 billion early in the year got that spot. We went and we played uh, LSU and got kind of clobbered. This time, there's nothing that we could have done in that UK game. We could have won that UK game by 50 and Florida State beating us the way that they did, getting left out of the college football playoff. Now, if you want to say that us being 11-1 and and maybe a little bit higher ranked and FSU winning that game would have been more impressive, so much so that they would have gotten to the playoff, you know, then, yeah, we would have been in the Orange Bowl. I don't think that that's the case. I think that the committee made up its mind ahead of time. Basically, the moment that Alabama beat Georgia, they knew they weren't going to keep an SEC team out. They also knew that they couldn't keep a Big 12 champion that had beaten the SEC champion on their home field by double digits out either. And so FSU was done, unless they won that game 50 to nothing. Like I said, we discussed this on Friday. There were two scenarios where Louisville could get left out of the Orange Bowl. One was losing so badly that they somehow jumped NC State over us, and I, I couldn't have imagined that. We have a, one more win than NC State. We beat NC State on their home field. That has to count for something, although I did see Barry Murphy has us ranked like five spots below NC State, which is silly. The other scenario, the more likely scenario, was FSU wins a tight game and the committee jumps at least one, maybe two, one-loss teams above them. And that's exactly what wound up happening. Again, this sport is set up in such a dumb way that we would have been better served losing the conference championship game by 60 points. We would have gone to a better bowl game. Instead, FSU beats us but does not look great, does not look overwhelmingly good, and the committee uses that as an excuse to take, for the first time ever, an undefeated power conference team and drop them out of the college football playoff in favor of two teams that have won losses. I, I won't. I mean, you've probably heard a million takes on this over the last 24 hours, so I, I won't go in-depth on mine because I, I'm not going to say anything else that hasn't already been said. I think it's ridiculous. I think, I think it's a sham. I think it's silly. I think the, the, the powers that be in college football are getting bailed out by the fact that the, the play, expanded playoff starts next year. 
and people outside of Tallahassee are going to largely forget this, or it will be remembered as just like, hey, remember that dumb thing that happened right before the playoffs started? Thank God we don't have that system anymore, and we'll move on, and everyone will keep making money, and the the, the new conferences are going to happen, and they'll be able to hide behind that and say everyone has a path now to get in, and and the reality is it's still going to be tilted in favor of the, the biggest money teams, but this was a sham. The game's not mattering. The... I tell you what I knew, because I thought even late Saturday night when you had this big debate going on, I thought there's no way they're going to actually do this. There's no way they're going to keep a, because it's not like keeping a 13-0 North Carolina or even 13-0 Louisville. It's not like keeping one of your good, not great brands out of the playoff. This is Florida State. This is a team that's won a national title in the last decade. This is a team that's won multiple national titles. This is the team that dominated the sport in the 1990s. This is a team that played on the road two SEC teams and beat both by multiple scores, including LSU. This is an FSU team that, for the entire season, has been somewhere in the top five, and in, I think every college football playoff ranking has been in the top four. And yet, two one-loss teams jumped them. And the, the reason given... We talked about this last week, about how the committee the committee changes what their rationale is based on what they want to do every year. In 2016, I think we realized we weren't going to get in, despite if, if we'd gone 11-1, and if we'd blown out Houston and blown out Kentucky, we weren't going to get in because the committee said they valued conference championships. They valued being a conference champion. Well, we didn't get a chance to play in our conference championship because we were in the same division as Clemson, so we never had a shot. The next year when Alabama didn't even make its conference championship, but certainly looked like one of the four best teams, they said, you know, we want the best teams. Got to get the best teams in there. So they put Alabama in the, in the playoff. They change what their rationale is every year based on what they want to do. And this year, when the, the playoff selection show started, and Herb Street and Reese Davis, all, when, when those guys, when they started hammering in about how the committee's job, they really accentuated, it's the best four teams Right then, I was like, it's done. They're gonna, they're setting this up. I know they act like they didn't know, but they're setting this up to take Bama and Texas and to leave Florida State out. Best four teams, best four teams. I love Dan Mullen's rant last night, and it's, it's, it's crazy the people that I've found myself agreeing with over the last 24 hours. Dan Mullen and Booger McFarland. I'm like, go get them, guys. But Dan Mullen goes on a big rant and says, how do you know what the best teams are? The only way you know is from the games. Play the games. Everyone thought going into the last weekend... Oregon's better than Washington. Ten-point favorites. Washington controls that game from start to finish. Wins the Pac-12 title, finishes undefeated. Everyone thought on Saturday, Georgia's the best team in the country. They're favored to beat Alabama. They're fa- they would be favored against anybody. They weren't the best team in the country. They weren't better than Alabama. They lost the game. That's how we know. Florida State probably would have been a heavy underdog against Michigan. TCU was a heavy underdog against Michigan as well last year. They won the game. Everyone keeps using TCU getting hammered by Georgia as some sort of evidence that Florida State should have been left out. That wasn't the semifinal. That was the national championship game because TCU got in and upset Michigan. I just, I don't get how you can do this and devalue the actual results on the field. It makes no sense whatsoever to me. And if you want, you know, they're saying, we took into consideration who coaches said they didn't want to play. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And if that were your true rationale, your playoff selection for the last several years would have been totally different. I mean, hell, Georgia would have gotten in over Texas this year. 
they're in pretty much every metric that's out there. They're ahead of Texas. If you had Georgia versus Texas on a neutral field, Georgia would be favored. They have Georgia behind Florida State. So you're saying Florida State clearly not better than Alabama or not better than Texas, but clearly is better than Georgia? I don't buy that. And the whole, well, they look terrible with their third-string quarterback. He wasn't going to play in the playoff. Tate Rodemaker was out for one week. Very, very dumb. The whole thing was very dumb. But the reality when it comes to us is that it costs us a trip to the Orange Bowl where, I mean, look, if you said... I think we would have gotten mauled by Georgia. Probably right. A lot of people out there do revisionist history when it comes to 2012. A lot of people are like, oh, we, we were very confident going into Florida. No, we weren't. I was the only one out there I felt like saying, I want to play Florida and not Florida State because why not swing big? If you lose by a million points, who cares? It's a bowl game. It's not a national championship game. People will kind of remember it, but they'll forget pretty quickly. If you win the game, it's one of your best wins, if not your best win in program history. We won the game. But there were a lot of people there who were like, I don't want to play this game. We're going to lose by a million. They were saying the same thing about Georgia. Would it have happened? Maybe. Who knows? Now we'll never find out. Because Louisville's going to the Holiday Bowl to play USC. That'll be December 27th at 8 p.m. There was a whole lot. It was a weird day yesterday when, when, it, when Florida State got left out. According to the reports that are out there, the ACC officials were kind of just Taken aback. They still were just counting on the fact that FSU was going to make the playoff. Surely to God, the committee is not going to actually do this. And that's the way that, you know, bing, bang, boom, Louisville's going to the Orange Bowl. Clemson's going to this bowl. Carolina's going to this bowl. NC State's going to this bowl. It's all set up. And then when the reshuffling happens, there are some bowls that don't want certain teams. You've got Kentucky going to the Gator Bowl, so Louisville can't go there because you can't have a rematch. Although I think Louisville fans would have loved that. I'm sure Kentucky wouldn't, and that's understandable. What do you have to gain? So all this reshuffling happens, and it takes like six hours to find out where we're going. Typically, it's very, very quick after the college football playoff announcement happens. But there's all these reports that certain bowls don't want certain teams. You've got three top-tier bowls in the ACC outside the Orange Bowl in the playoff. The Pop-Tarts Bowl, the Holiday Bowl, and the Gator Bowl. We've, we quickly learn that it sounds like UK is going to go to the Gator Bowl, so that's out for us. So it comes down to Holiday Bowl versus the Pop-Tarts Bowl. And I'm torn between, I grew up loving the Holiday Bowl. I really did. Back when, you know, the bowl games have kind of sucked for the last 10 years or so. But when I was growing up, I loved bowl games. Nobody opted out. They seemed like they meant something. It was a reward for your season. There were fewer of them, so it was great. The Holiday Bowl always had some of the best games. And it was always this the focal point of one of those magical nights in that week between Christmas and New Year's. When you're still off school, you're, you're still getting basking and being able to stay up late, all that good stuff. The Holiday Bowl, I felt like it was always the 27th to 28th. There wasn't another big sporting event on that night. And you had a team from the Big 12 versus a team from the Pac-12, and there were a ton of points scored. I always thought it was a great game. I remember Major Applewhite getting the start after he'd had that battle all season long with Chris Sims, and they'd gone with Sims, and it was the air, and Texas fans hated him for it. And he leads this huge comeback effort against Washington, throws for like a billion yards, and after the game, he's like, I love the Holiday Bowl. It has the best games. I, I, I loved the Holiday Bowl growing up, and it's a game that we've never played in. So I'm excited about that. Playing a big-time opponent in USC, big brand at least, in USC. I get that this sucks for the fans. A lot of fans do like making it a holiday tradition to go wherever Louisville's playing in the bowl game. Sometimes they'll celebrate New Year's there. Sometimes they'll celebrate Christmas there. Sometimes you just go there for a couple of days in the winter, and it's, it's a fun getaway. And I get that San Diego is not the most convenient place in America for Louisville fans to go. I, I saw Josh Hurd saying, you know, there's there's 
cheap flight on Spirit Airlines that leaves on Christmas Day. You can go out there. You can leave, come back the 28th. That's not th- this whole trip. You know, a $155 flight out there is great, but you've got to drive two hours from LAX to San Diego. You've got to find your own accommodations. It's not cheap to stay out there. You got to get game tickets, all that good stuff. It was a very, it would be a very expensive few days for the average Louisville fan. And I count myself in that, that group for sure. So I get that this is not good for the fans. You're not going to have a huge contingent of UL fans flying West on Christmas day for the team. I think it's good for the team. I, I think look, San Diego is a wonderful place to go. It's a great getaway. Peco park is an awesome baseball stadium. Playing against USC, I mean, you see those helmets. It's one of the, the the names you think of when you think of college football is USC. I think it's great for them. I think it's a great way to end what has been a good season. Now, USC announced today, Caleb Williams, this is not a shocker, is not going to play in the Holiday Bowl. He's the, the star quarterback, reigning Heisman Trophy winner, threw for 3,700 yards this year, 30 touchdowns uh, as the team went 7-5. and five. Probably going to be the number one pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. This is not a shock. This means that we will almost certainly face Miller Moss, Moss, redshirt sophomore backup, who's played limited snaps in, in three years for them. This year, he's 23 of 32, 301 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Lincoln Riley today was talking about it and said he, he regrets not getting more snaps for Miller Moss, but such is life. They have one other quarterback on the roster who's a big-time name, Malachi Nelson, who's a former five-star recruit. He's a freshman. He has not played this year because of what Riley said were physical hurdles. No idea what that means. No idea if he'll be available for this game. But Miller Moss is probably going to be your guy. If something were to happen to him, I don't know who they go with. But Williams will probably not be the last opt-out of this game on either side. I think you'll have some Louisville guys probably say, not going to play. We already have some guys in the transfer portal that we're going to talk about. There probably will be another USC player or two who says, you know, I'm holding out for the NFL draft. Louisville, by the way, it opened initially as, like a, I think, a USC slight favorite. I don't know if that's because they were assuming Caleb Williams was going to play for some reason, but Louisville now is a seven-and-a-half point favorite in this game. So Vegas likes the cards to bounce back in a big way. I think it would be a nice way to end their season. December 27th, it's a Wednesday, I believe, 8 o'clock on Fox. I think it's a... It's not what we wanted. It's not ideal. It's not the best, but I think it's a fine way to end what has been a, a good season. And I, you know, I genuinely believe that. Would have loved the Orange Bowl, but such is life. At least UK didn't cost us that. Let's talk about portal stuff because the transfer portal is, is the other big news going on out there. This is that weird time of the year where you're balancing actual games that are taking place to end your season with trying to create your roster for next year and the few years after that. Louisville, we knew this was going to happen once the conference championship game ended. It was just a matter of who. But the transfer portal opened up for UofL today, and we had four players, at least as of when I started doing the show at three, who have entered the transfer portal, all on defense. Victuan Brown, Marquise Gross-Killebrew, the transfer from Texas A&M, Jackson Hamilton, the linebacker, and then the biggest name out there is Popeye Williams, who's one of the bigger recruits we've had in the last few years. I think all of those guys see how much we have up front. Now, Popeye Williams is the guy who I think you expected to maybe make more of an impact in his limited time here and who you were hoping was going to step into a bigger role coming up next year. Uh, but he is going to head, uh, going ahead and entering the transfer portal. Um, that's, a, that's a blow. I mean, you, you're going to lose a couple guys coming off the edge next season. You're, there's a chance you're going to lose Ashton Gelati to the NFL draft, who's your best edge rusher. I think maybe you hoped that Popeye Williams was going to be a guy who could step into that role and, and become a big-time, uber-talented edge rusher for you. 
but he's not played very much. He only only saw two games of action this season, played 11 snaps in garbage time against Murray State and Boston College, and like just has not done much. He was the number 180 overall prospect in the class of 2022, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite Rankings, played in six games as a true freshman two years ago, or last year, but didn't do very much in those games either. So not sure why he never clicked here, but best of luck to him moving forward. Now, as far as guys that we're targeting in the transfer portal, the, the, the big name that's out there right now is Tyler Shuck. And it's a guy that I talked about last week, uh, lots of rumors about. I think this is his, you know, he, he's officially in town right now via Jody Demling. I think he's been unofficially in town before this. Well-traveled. He would be a six-year guy like Jack Plummer, started his career at Oregon, played at Texas Tech. He's had a couple of injuries. Injury cut his 2023 season short uh, in late September. He's a guy, the tape's out there. You've probably seen some of the highlight videos that have been circulating. He's a guy, when you, you look at it, can make all the throws. He's got a bigger arm than Jack Plummer. He's more versatile than Jack Plummer, uh, has been prone to some bad decision-making at times. I think this is one of those where if you take this kid and you, you make him your starting quarterback for next year, you trust in this coaching staff's ability to, to you know, hammer into him. You can't make some of the throws that you made in Lubbock or uh, at Oregon. Just cannot happen. But he's got a bigger arm. He throws the ball in tighter, tighter windows, takes more chances. He's a different-looking quarterback than Jack Plummer. And maybe as important as any of that stuff, he's a high school teammate of Jawar Jordan. And I heard last week, I don't think I said it on the show, but I, I – feel confident in saying it now. Jawar Jordan has said, look, Tyler Shuck's my guy. Would love a reunion. If he comes in here and is our quarterback next year, there's a chance that I'm coming back. I don't think he's guaranteed anything, but Jawar has made it known for a while, or at least there's been an understanding for a while, that this was going to be his last year of college football. He's got one year remaining if he wants to use it. But he's kind of thought, I'm a running back. I'm not sure if I'm an NFL guy, but I'd love to give it a shot. I'm just kind of done with college football. And now he's like, if we get Tyler Shuck, that's my guy. There's a chance that I'm coming back for another year. You've also got rumors out there that another player who's kind of let it be known for the last couple months that he's not coming back is rethinking that as well, and that's Jamari Thrash. Jamari Thrash, and again, none of this is, I think none of them have come to the staff and said, I'm definitely coming back, I'm definitely doing this. I do think that Jamari Thrash has said, I've only got two options Either I'm trying to go to the NFL or I'm coming back to Louisville for one more year. I'm not hitting the portal. Now, we heard the same thing from L. Ellis and then he hit the portal like two weeks later. I don't think this is an L. Ellis type situation. I think it's why you saw the uh, Dante Burks, the, the wide receiver transfer from Purdue, who I think Louisville was, was pretty high on. He did not have us on his list. I think that's because there's some word that Jamari Thrash might be coming back. And if Thrash comes back, he's your number one receiver for another year. I do think that they will go after some guys in the portal. Jordan Watkins has been hinting not so subtly that he's you know, an option to come back and play for Louisville again. You've heard some other names out there that are, are talking about Louisville, some guys that we've been on, on before. Christian Fitzpatrick has been a name that I, I don't know if that buzz is legit. But Louisville will go after some receivers because they're going to lose some receivers to the portal. I think they want Kevin Coleman back. I think they want Chris Bell back. They definitely want Jamari Thrash back. But you know, there's a ton of receivers on this roster, and some of those guys – they see the writing on the wall, and they're probably going to head elsewhere. So don't be shocked if you see those names hit the portal. I think we'll do a good job replacing them. But the big names that are out there that we need to – you need a quarterback. There's, I don't think there's any question about that. Even if it's just somebody to come in and compete for the job, not a guy who you're handing the reins to from day one, which Tyler Shuck might be that type of guy. He's sort of like Plummer in that he's a 
well-known name. He's been a Power 5 conference starter multiple times, but has lost his job a couple times, has dealt with injuries. He's not going to be one of the 10 biggest names in the portal. But if Brom sees something in him, so be it. I, I think the issue, because we're all looking at the names that are out there, and you've got some massive names in the portal. Cameron Ward from Washington State, officially out there. Um, we talked about the Howard kid from from Kansas State. We talked about Tyler Van Dyke. You know, you've got the the, the five star freshman from UCLA. You've got Dylan Gabriel now from Oklahoma, formerly at UCF, who's in there. Um, you, you've got Grayson McCall in there. You've got all these big names in there. DJ Uyunglele back in the portal after a good year at Oregon State. Louisville's got NIL money. We know this. What they don't have is NIL money to compete with the Ohio States and the USC's and the Oregons, and the Oklahomas of the world. They just don't. And these quarterbacks that we're talking about, if if you're saying we need to go out there, Riley Leonard from Duke, who's by all accounts going to go to Notre Dame. If you're saying we need to get one of those guys, we got to do whatever it takes. Those guys are driving high six-figure NIL deals. And some of them are driving seven-figure NIL deals. The rumors that are out there about Cam Ward and what some schools, USC, might be willing to pay for him are outrageous. I mean, we're talking multiple million dollars for some of these guys. Louisville doesn't have that. Louisville can't compete with that. So you're looking at situations where you're kind of having to go to those tier two, maybe tier three guys, like Tyler Shuck, like Tyler Van Dyke. I think Tyler Van Dyke really wants to come to Louisville. I think he will take the best offer, though. Shuck may be a guy that if you look at it and you say, I think he can be pretty good here. He's got the tools. I think we can mold him. But if he's not, I feel pretty good about Harrison Bailey, or I feel pretty good about Pierce Clarkson, or I feel pretty good about Brady Allen. I think that's when you take a guy like Tyler Shuck. And you you got to have a plan B. Because with Jack Plummer this year, the big issue, I know everybody was like, you, you put in somebody else, put in somebody else. I don't think they had anybody better than Jack Plummer. I don't think they felt confidence with anybody besides Jack Plummer. I, I think Harrison Bailey, Brady Allen have bigger arms, but I don't think that they had any faith in their ability to come in and run that offense more effectively than Plummer did at any point this season. You don't want to find yourself in that exact same spot a year from now where let's say we make it back to the conference championship. We're playing Florida state. We're playing Clemson. We're playing whoever. And the defense is just dominating us and our quarterback can't do anything. And you just, you have these drives where you, it's a must score and you've got no faith in your quarterback's ability to come out there and make some big time throws. You've got to have a second option. We didn't have that this year. If it's Shuck, I hope that we're developing our guys behind him as well. And I hope it's a legitimate competition. If it's somebody else, I still hope that's the case. But those are the big names that are out there. I think Louisville, the portal is going to be very, 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 very interesting as we move forward. I'm very curious to see who else uh, for us enters. And I'm curious to see who else hops on board that's out there. Because the names aren't going to stop anytime soon. I mean, millions of dollars for these kids. Millions of dollars. I mean, this is why I'm in USC. One of the big talking points this week is going to be this uh, this backup situation. You know, Miller Moss, like, can he come in and play well? Because he hasn't played a whole lot at all. This is kind of his debut. This is maybe his one opportunity to show that he deserves to be the quarterback for next year. And if he comes out and he lights Louisville up, maybe they don't go after a transfer portal guy. They're probably going to, though. This feels like Moss's one shot to make his case. And if he comes out there and the USC offense doesn't hum against us, that's probably it. Like he's another guy that could be in the portal as well. This is the way that college football is going to work now. I don't think anybody loves it, but it's free agency. 
if everything else is going to be about big time money, then this is going to be too, and the players are going to get it. But it does just, just, it does just kind of suck. I don't know. It's not great. Uh, a couple other thoughts from from over the weekend. We will get to basketball stuff coming up uh, a little bit next hour. I do want to take text five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. I know you guys are chomping at the bit, so I want to get to you guys. Actually, let's take a couple of texts to start this hour because you got a lot of you guys have been waiting. You want to be heard. We'll start four o'clock hour with the text line as well, but we'll read a couple at the beginning because this guy texted in at two forty two, desperate to be on. So I will read this long text. Here we go. Sorry for the long-winded early text, but something hasn't been sitting right with me since the FSU loss. It's not what happened on the field, but, but, but what happened off the field after the game. I get what we've been through a lot as a fan base over the past several years, but what I saw from our fan base on social media leading up to and after the loss was the most ashamed and upset I've been at our fan base that I can remember. The absolute hate and vitriol that was heaped on Jack Plummer was uncalled for, unnecessary, and untrue. No, Jack did not play a great game, but he wasn't solely responsible for that loss. But all these rage babies calling him a pile of bleep and a trash quarterback and everything else was way over the line, and I hope they feel some shame after their temper tantrums ended. Jack was brought in as an adequate QB, and because he knew the system, not because he was supposed to be the next Lamar, but he still led us to 10 wins and a season and where we ended up in the AC Championship, something no one was predicting at the beginning of the year. And if you still can't appreciate that and feel a little grateful towards him, for that, then you are one sad ass fan and person. Sorry, Mike and Trev, rant over. I agree with this for the most for, for the most part. Like I, I think that I never fault kids. I, mean, I never get angry for kids for just not being good. I think that that's that's silly when you talk about like your least favorite cards of all time. And I had a lot of people saying like, Plumber's my least favorite player of all time. It's not like he wasn't trying. It's not like you've. We've had some kids over here the years in both basketball and football who just just loaf it, who just do dumb stuff, who have had all the ability in the world and haven't gotten the most out of it because they just are are knuckleheads. I think those are the kids who deserve more ire than a kid like Jack Plummer who just doesn't have some of the physical abilities needed to beat a team like Florida State. I, I heard Paul Rogers this morning talking about how he talked to to Jack's dad before the game and said, you know. Thank you for for bringing your son here and all this stuff. And you know, Jack's dad talked about how much he loved Louisville. This has been the best experience of his entire playing career. And I hate that you could just tell the the camera showed him. And I think I had a couple of friends who were at the game who said, like the second the the horn sounded, like Plummer just just went in the tunnel and just like looked so dejected, just didn't want to be out there. I mean, that was probably one of the worst nights of Jack Plummer's life. He plays poorly very poorly in a game on national tv where the entire college football world is watching and most of them are rooting for louisville and i'm sure he probably comes out i don't know how much he read i hope he didn't look at social media a lot but you see he's like the number three trending topic in the world on twitter and it's not for anything good i definitely did feel for him and i'm not gonna lambast a kid for just not playing well it's he was out there trying there are just certain things that he can't do and we've known that all season long that wasn't a shock We'll get to more text from you guys. Four o'clock hours on the way next. 502-414-1450. This will be your hour. Take it away here on the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450-961, The Big X.
Best of luck this season. It's going to be a special season. Thanks for making New Albany proud. We have a lot to be proud of here in New Albany, most importantly our schools. The citizens of New Albany and Floyd County are investing $87 million to make our public schools even better than before. Our students will be safer, and they'll even have a greater opportunity to reach their potential. Come see for yourself why the city of New Albany is where you should be. Hey, Cards fans, UofL's nationally ranked and globally recognized 20-month professional MBA combines the experience of a top-rated program with the convenience of evening classes. Learn from world-class faculty as well as regional and national business leaders. Connect with industry experts, expand your professional network, hone your skills, and advance your career without interrupting it. Get started today and earn your MBA. Visit business.louisville.edu backslash MBA. Until about 10 years ago, for any electrical work I needed at my house, I was always calling a different electrician, sometimes for the same job. Things weren't done right and they weren't done on time, but for the last 10 years, Allen Electrical has been the only one I call. The work is unparalleled, it's prompts, the team's the epitome of professionalism. <laughs> you know, when I see an Allen Electrical truck in a neighbor's driveway, I kind of smile because I know they're getting the best. Allen Electrical, your electrician for life. Visit allenelectrical.com. They'll never leave you in the dark. Ah, the smell of perfectly baked pizza and the sounds of the big game are what you'll find at Boomba's Pizza and Watch Bar in the Highlands, J-Town, Westport Village, Elizabethtown, and Jeffersonville. Boomba's has served its award-winning menu for over 24 years. It's everything a football fan could want before, during, or after a big game. Hot subs, calzones, cheesy pasta bakes, a fantastic kids' menu, or a famous pizza creation. Boomba's is crafted for you. We hope to see you soon for lunch or dinner at Boomba's. Paul's Alignment and Brake, the auto repair shop you can trust. We've been here since 1982, servicing and repairing vehicles to keep you on the road and safe. We offer services for all makes and models. We also offer fleet services, free brake and AC inspections, and for a limited time, we're offering a free 42-point inspection. We have the best price on alignments in the area. Located at 1006 Applegate Lane in Clarksville, Indiana, eight minutes from downtown Louisville. While interest rates are on the rise everywhere else, at Genesis Diamonds, we've got just the relief you need this holiday season. Five years, zero interest on anything and everything. That's right. Genesis is rolling back interest rates to 0.0%. So that $5,000 diamond ring is yours for just $85 a month. Nothing's held back. Rings, earrings, bracelets, bands, certified natural diamonds, lab-grown diamonds, even luxury pre-owned Rolex watches. Just pick any item for that special someone and spread your payments over five years without paying a dime in interest. A $10,000 designer ring comes to just $167 a month. Don't miss this incredible offer. Where else in America can you get financing for 0%? Colored gemstones, designer fashion jewelry, the year's most treasured gifts, all included in this once-a-year offer. At Genesis, we're breaking all the rules to make sure this holiday season your money goes farther. Best prices, unbeatable selection, highest quality, and super aggressive financing. Merry Christmas from Genesis Diamonds, Shelbyville Road Plaza, on approved credit. Kratz Sporting Goods is Southern Indiana's team sports specialist and is your local Adidas team product dealer. Kratz specializes in outfitting your team, organization, club, or business in apparel, hard goods, and accessories from Adidas and many others. Kratz offers fundraising opportunities for your team, organization, or club through online web stores. Let our friendly staff get you started today by calling 812-282-5400 or visit and shop at our website at kratzsports.com. All the leaves are brown
on a winter's day, I'd be safe and warm. There we go. So you call that one. California dream. California dream. California dream. I don't know how Trevor can get the version with the harmony, but whatever. It's okay. That's it's fine. Uh, four o'clock hour here, the Mike Rutherford Show. Trevor Kelsey not here today, but still here in spirit as he gives us songs that are reflecting the Cali spirit of Louisville's bowl game. It'll be 23 days from today. December 27th, Louisville will take on USC in the Holiday Bowl. Let us know how you're feeling about this and everything else that we've discussed in the first hour on the Thornton's text line at 502-414-1450. We talked strictly football in the first uh, first hour, just about the Florida State game, transfer portal stuff, Holiday Bowl, FSU snub, Caleb Williams not playing for USC. If you want to react to any of that, hit us up. And a reminder, download the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app. It's got the best deals for you all holiday season long. If you're traveling, see family, in the car, you want the best gas prices, the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app is going to make that happen for you. Download that bad boy on your phone. Save some money at the pump. Save some money inside anytime you stop into one of this area's 44,444 Thornton's locations. Do all that and then text us at 502-414-1450. Gary, have you gotten the holiday decorations up at the... The household yet? Not yet. Oh boy. How about you? It's time. I got them up this weekend. Ah. Got them up Saturday before the game. Well, I've got a little ceramic Christmas tree that you put a light bulb in. Uh, that that's the extent of my Christmas decoration. And a boy. That's all you need. Just something. Just something festive. We're feeling pretty good. Something simple but <laughs> festive. Until it just you know gets the gets the spirit going a little bit. Just you know makes makes it feel right. 502-414-1450. All right. We, you've heard my thoughts. I've rambled on for an hour. It's time to hear your thoughts. Let's make it happen. Texture says, oh, this is the got to make him say no guy. Tom Crean, bring him in so you can tell him no to his face. He's, he's shifting it up now. He's, he's switching it up. He's changing it up. Um, we will talk basketball coming up next hour. I have to make mention of the fact that Josh Pastner called our game, which was – it made the entire experience just that much worse for me yesterday. Was he, was, a, he was the guy that, that you gave me a quiz about him one I time. I did. You, you took the Michael Scott or Josh Pastner quiz. Yeah. This should not shock you given the quotes, but he was fired after last season, and he now is doing commentating work for ESPN. How'd he do? He was, uh, he's okay. I mean, yeah. he's, he sounds sort of like Morty from Rick and Morty, which is <laughs> distracting. Uh, he's very nerdy, but I think he is, from everyone that I talked to in college basketball, he's like, he's a nerd. He's a weird guy for sure. But it's kind of genuine, and he comes off as, as likable. He always reminded me of Kevin from The Wonder Years. I can see that for sure. Yeah. He does look a lot like that. But he, he he was okay calling our game. He did just kind of say the same. He had a few things that I just was like, come on, Josh. not Let's not do this, buddy. Let's not do this. Texas says, well, we're back in Conference USA, essentially. This, this is a big talking point from what transpired over the weekend, is that the ACC now is just is just done. You look at the final CFP rankings, which let me pull it up real quick. But the the final CFP ranking, and you did know watching the the playoff ranking show, it was it was ripe that they came back before they were going to finally announce the top six, and before it, Reese Davis does the whole reminding you like the SEC, like like he had a, there was an SEC plug. Right before they do the thing, and I'm like, this is just just perfect. It's fully indicative of where we are as a sport. It's the dumbest sport alive. I love college football. It is the dumbest sport that's ever existed. But you look at the new, so the, the, the top ten. Michigan, Big Ten. Washington, about to be Big Ten. Texas, about to be SEC. Alabama, SEC. 
Florida State, ACC, Georgia, SEC, Ohio State, Big Ten, Oregon, about to be Big Ten, Missouri, SEC, Penn State, Big Ten. You've got to keep going down. It takes until spot 12 where you get to Oklahoma to have another non-Big Ten SEC team. Ole Miss is 11th. Then you get right back to LSU. Then Arizona, who's, I guess, going to be Big 12. And then Louisville, ACC. Like It's just Notre Dame on the island of Misfit Toys by themselves. It does make you worried about the future of the sport. I think the good thing for the ACC is that with the expanded playoff, you know that you're, you've at least got a seat at the table. You at least get a chance to prove it. There's not going to be another situation like this. If you go 13-0 or you go 12-1 and and you win the conference, you're at least going to get into the 12-team playoff, and you'll have a shot to prove it there. Now, are the SEC and the Big Ten going to demand like six or seven spots? Yeah, probably. Like That's definitely going to happen. And it sucks, and it's probably not fair, but they're driving the sport now. Like This is their ship. So it sucks, but there's not going to be a situation like this where you can win out and not be able to play for a national championship, which has always been the dumbest thing about college football. There should never be a sport. You should never have a sport set up in a way to where you can win every single game you play and not at least have an opportunity to play until you lose. It's never made sense. It's the only sport in the world that does the only major sport in America that does this. And to have it happen to a brand like Florida State is just uh, is just outrageous. I mean, I think if you're Liberty, Liberty's undefeated. You should have a chance to prove it. The NCAA tournament in basketball and every other level of college football has this set up. Uh, I, I just, yeah, it's not great. Not cool. Texter says, it was a great season capped off in the most Louisville way possible. But it's been a long time since I believed enough to be this dejected. Ten wins is more than I could have hoped for when the season started, and we have a bright future. Process it and move on. We still have men's basketball, right? Jesus Christ, we do. We still have we we still have basketball. I think that also you're talking about the the anger that the Louisville fan base was displaying on Saturday night. I do think it was partially about what had happened against Kentucky the week before. I think it was definitely a lot about Jack Plummer not playing well against Florida State and feeling like you lost to a team that had just no offense out there. I think it was at least there's a little bit out there that also is is kind of about basketball because at least in the past if the football season didn't end great. If you had a, you know, like 2016, perfect example. You have the dream season with Lamar, you're in the playoff hunt for most of the year and then you just flame out. Get stomped by Houston and then get upset by a four touchdown underdog on your home field in Kentucky. One, we had the Lamar Heisman stuff to look forward to, and that was fun for a couple of weeks after. Two, we had a really good basketball team. And that was ended up being Rick Pitino's last team. They earned a two-seed for the NCAA tournament, did lose in the second round, but it was a fun basketball year, and you had that to look forward to. Right now, y- you just don't. Like, it feels like if you're, if you're one of those fans out there that, that relies heavily on men's basketball and football for your fandom, Football is, you've got one game left, and it. I'm excited for it, but it, let's be real. Bowl games don't have the meaning that they did 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, certainly. And you're playing against a USC team that's going to have a lot of guys out. It is what it is. It'll, it'll be fun. We'll look forward to it, but it doesn't have the significance that it, it would have in the past. And then after that, it's just it's a men's basketball team that even though they're playing better now, 
still feels like their ceiling is nowhere near the NCAA tournament, and that's just not enough to get people excited. It it does. It, it makes this loss, the, the, the way the end of the season played out, a little bit more difficult to stomach. I think we all recognize that it still was a good year, but not having much to look forward to until next football season or until there's a, a change with basketball or whatever may happen, I, I think makes it a little bit more difficult to stomach. Texas, I'm convinced that UK beating Louisville kept FSU out of the playoff. It killed their strength of schedule and perpetuated the SEC better than ACC narrative. It may have. I mean, I you know I, I came out here and said Kentucky beating Louisville didn't change us, didn't cost us the Orange Bowl like it did in 2016. So at least there's that. Maybe it did. I mean, one of the crazy things that got brought up yesterday in this whole debate and everybody looking at every single angle, the SEC versus the ACC and Alabama versus the Big Twelve, like all, all this stuff, is that the SEC's most impressive non-conference win this year was probably Kentucky over Louisville. It was like, this was not a great year for the SEC. In non-conference, they weren't great. Everyone keeps bringing up, well, the ACC had a winning record against the SEC. If ever there was a year where you could get away with excluding the SEC from the playoff, it was this year. They didn't do much in the non-conference. And you have this whole assumption that these teams are just better in theory, you shouldn't be doing this. Like, like, You shouldn't be basing your opinion on what's transpiring in 2023 on what has t- taken place over the past decade and a half in college football. And that's exactly what happened. They may say that they're not doing that, but the rationale for including Alabama in the playoff over Florida State is that the SEC is the best conference in college football. And you look at that, and you're like, based on what? What they've done every year over the last 10 because this year, not really the case. I think it's also, you know, it, it's funny. You look at Michigan. They played a really soft schedule. They beat a really good Ohio State team, but they got to beat them at home. And, you know, people were talking about Saturday night. The way that Florida State looked is the main reason why they didn't get in. They had more offense than Michigan did against Iowa. Louisville was ranked higher than Iowa. Michigan had its starting quarterback. They had all of its stars. I, like the Dan Mullen ran again, I, I'm bringing it up for the second time. Like I, I love where he was like, what's the line here? You know, if they'd thrown three touchdowns, if, if they'd won 23 to six, was that enough? Was it 30 to six. Like when you're doing this, the whole, like the eye test or whatever, like you just open yourself to, to all these types of Christian. There's no solid rationale. It, going 13 or no has to matter. Beating everybody you've played has to matter. And it's not like FSU just played nobody's in the non-conference. They scheduled two SEC teams. They're always going to play Florida, but they scheduled LSU, who got a lot of preseason love to be the national champion. And they beat them pretty handily. It just makes... It makes no sense. And, and, you know, you look at... compare. Everyone's comparing Florida State to Alabama, and I think that's just because Texas beat Alabama. Why don't we compare Florida State to Texas as well? Texas has one loss. Texas jumped from eight to three because they beat Oklahoma State, who's not that great, to a pulp over the weekend. That makes no sense. Let's be real. The Texas is third because they beat Alabama. Because you felt like you couldn't justify having Alabama in there without having Texas in there because Texas beat them on their home field, which is accurate. But don't act like Texas just somehow got better than Florida State because they beat Oklahoma State more impressively than Florida State beat Louisville. Again, a team that was higher ranked than Oklahoma State. It's all just so ridiculous. But college football is a ridiculous sport. Texas says, it seems like a lot of fans disagree, but I'd be very happy if we got Tyler Shuck. 
I watched his highlights, and he has a cannon and is mobile and add another element to the offense. Plus, he may get Jawar to come back, so that's a huge bonus. I'm, I realize that I talked about the Tyler Shuck thing without giving my genuine opinion here. I've seen the fans be kind of melting over this because I think everyone got their hopes high that we're going to have a, a clear and obvious upgrade at quarterback. I do think that Tyler Shuck would be better than Jack Plummer, but I can't guarantee it because he doesn't have the, the numbers to back it up. He's been injury prone. He's thrown a decent amount of interceptions everywhere that he's gone. But you look at the highlight tape and you certainly see the skill set that that Plummer does not have. I think that does get me excited. Would I be lying if I said I wasn't a bit underwhelmed? Yeah. I I think, you know, when I heard that we were going to dip into the transfer portal for a quarterback, I'm thinking, let's go out and get one of the 10 best guys available. Let's go out and get a guy that you know who's proven it at, at a high level. Either a guy who's proven it for multiple years at a high level or one of these five-star freshmen that's just behind a better player at a big-time program and wants a second start. And Shuck doesn't really check either one of those boxes. He's been a starter at two you know, good programs, two offensive-driven programs, and he hasn't put up gigantic numbers. So in that regard, I get why the fan base is kind of melting a little bit over getting him. He's not what we want. He's not a guarantee. He's not a sure thing. But I do think when you watch his highlights, like there's – there's certainly things to like. So I wouldn't hate it. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but I'd be lying if I said I wasn't at least a little bit underwhelmed. Getting Jawar, though, that might make it worth it if he comes back. Texas says, Mike, I'm, the way I'm choosing to look at Saturday is that we won twice. First, our defense kept Florida State out of the playoffs. I don't feel sorry for them one bit after throwing the L's down in our face at the end of the game. Second, our offense kept us from getting embarrassed against George in the Orange Bowl. That's two wins. Hopefully Jack Plummer opts out for the bowl game. My only problem is not getting in the Pop-Tart Bowl. I was torn when it came down to the the Holiday Bowl and the Pop-Tarts Bowl because I've talked about how I want to be – I mean, the, the Pop-Tarts they, – they've got – I don't know if you've heard this, Gary. There's a Pop-Tarts Bowl now. They're going to have the first ever edible mascot. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. There's going to be a Pop-Tart running around during the game, and then the winners are allowed to eat the, the actual Pop-Tart after the game and it's got like it, it, it's a it's a real like kind of macabre thing too like the pop tart has eyes and a face so i'm wondering if it's gonna like scream when, when they actually eat it like you know go for the eyes they always yeah taste the best. I mean, there's a part of me that wanted to see jeff brahm and the players just kind of like devour this, this 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 mascot after the game uh holiday bowl had you know more name recognition bigger bowl game bigger better opponent but you know I, where where is the pop tart bowl again oh god because it used to be the cheese it's bowl Oh, okay. Um, it, I think it's somewhere in Florida. I it's fairly say. new, then, right? It's it's in Orlando. It's okay. at the Camping World Stadium. So yeah, it's, it's it, this is the first year taking over with the name rights. But I saw the Dave Dorn, the NC State coach, because NC State is going to the the the, the, the Pop Tarts Bowl, and he got asked about it during his press conference, and they said, you know, are, are you going to eat the Pop Tart? And his his exact response was, "Man, I guess I would have to, wouldn't I?" I'm not going to be the guy that doesn't do that. What flavor is it going to be? There's a bowl rep sitting next to him. The bowl rep goes, I don't think I'm at liberty to divulge that information. And Doran says, well, then maybe I'm not at liberty to answer the question. And a couple seconds later, he says, can I chase down the Pop-Tart with a nice bourbon or something like that afterwards? Is that part of the Pop-Tart experience or not? And the bowl rep says, I think we could arrange that if you want it. We will make uh, it, it a little tasting. And I was like, now I kind of want to play in the Pop-Tart bowl. This sounds a lot of fun, like a lot of fun. I'm a little bit upset now, but... 
It now, is what now, it what, is. What's the date again on the Pop-Tart Bowl? Pop-Tart Bowl, I think, is the day after our game. I think it's the 28th. Okay. So we would have played, yeah, on, on the 28th instead of the 27th. What is the absolute worst bowl you can play in? I think I remember you talking about this one time. The, like, for us, or just the worst bowl no, game just overall? just the worst overall. Uh, I mean, the the Duke's Mayo Bowl isn't the worst bowl game, but you know, dumping mayonnaise on somebody just is, yeah. I think well, the, the worst overall bowl, technically, would, I guess, be the first one, which is the... The Myrtle Beach Bowl. Do they actually at the Duke's Mayonnaise Bowl? They they dump they, they dump mayo on the winning coach. Now oh. it's a little bit like they they don't get a lot on there. They act like they're going to. They 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 prep the coach. They put like plastic over him so he doesn't actually get the mayo. On. It's not nearly as as disgusting or exciting as it sounds. Cheese It Bowl was fun when they dumped cheeses on the coaches. Well, that wouldn't be too bad. It's not bad. Yeah, usually, I mean, if you're a food bowl, they've kind of gone to. It's very in vogue now to dump whatever the food, the the brand is on did, the coach. Did they ever have a tidy bowl? No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. But there are some good bowls out there. Um, yeah, I mean, the 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 famous toastery bowl is is also not a great bowl, which I think is where Western Kentucky's going this American year. Standard could uh, they could. Sponsor a toilet bowl, you they, know. Yeah, the, the toilet bowl has always been a, a great joke. That would be fun. And somebody needs to step up and actually make that happen. But we are going to the Holiday Bowl. It's fine. We're going to be okay. We're going to be good. Texter says, 502-414-1450. Football has thankfully overshadowed basketball in the year and realized we were football hungover yesterday, but we played a conference basketball game yesterday, and it seemed to have barely registered with the fans. Didn't see much Twitter traffic on it and personally didn't even discuss the second half with my friend group. The withdrawn feeling seems to be the worst I can remember it. We haven't talked about basketball specifically yet, but I will say I was not shocked by how many people I saw yesterday talk about how they didn't even know we had a game because yeah, I'd written the preview for it. I set up the the open thread on the website. I was very aware that the game was happening. And then I'm watching Lion Saints, which is getting way too close for comfort in the final seconds. And I kind of forgot. Like, like 4 o'clock just snuck up on me. And that never used to happen to me. Like, I, There's never been a time in my life where I haven't been very aware of when the Louisville game's starting. And, you know, 30 minutes ahead of time, I've, I've made sure that like, I can watch it. I'm in a comfortable area. Like, I've got everything ready to go. And yesterday, I was like, oh, yeah. The game's happening, and it's it's the first conference game of the year on the road against a Virginia Tech team that is is fine, but certainly looked like a team that we could have beaten. They, they've not been great this year. Auburn blew them out. Florida Atlantic destroyed them. You know they they it felt like a winnable game for us, and most of the fan base was just kind of like even when they were watching, there was very little interaction. You didn't see a whole lot of people talking about the game, and there were a lot of people that I saw last night who were like, I'd forgotten we were playing, which just just sucks like it it should never ever 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 be this bad here and right now it is and and the team's playing better we're going to talk about that next hour but it still is just not resonating with anybody texas says i blame that damn helmet stripe some people didn't like the, the the stripe on the helmet that we wore on saturday night i didn't mind i thought it looked fine i thought the uniforms were fine i don't think the uniforms were the issue i think we had some other stuff going on Texas Louisville won 10 games because of a really easy schedule. Oh, it's angry guy. Kentucky would be ACC champ if they were in the ACC. No, they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't. I, the, the the meanest trick that college has played on all of us, well, at least the, the ones who feel the way that I do, it's not even like us not going to the Orange Bowl. It's not even Florida State getting left out. It's the fact they have put us now in a position where we have to root for Dabo. 
Clemson playing Kentucky in the Gator Bowl is, I mean, I, mean, I don't know what to do. I, I may just act like the game is not actually happening. Because Kentucky fans have been annoying. They've made the worst jokes, like Angry Guy here, our friend, about how like they own the ACC and we're the ACC runner-up. and all. It Just jokes that don't even make sense and aren't well thought out at all. And now they're playing a perennial ACC power that's had a down year. And so for that reason, I want Kentucky to lose. But also, I, I, I despise Dabo and hate everything that Clemson stands for. So I wish it was like Virginia Tech or somebody else because this is, this is the worst. This is the worst-case scenario. Texas sends in a picture of Florida State fans from the game on on the big screen on in the second quarter and just says they're, they're holding up signs that say finish for 13 and then win and we're in, which is just haunting in hindsight. They, look, they weren't alone. I think everybody pulled up the, you know, Kirk Herbstreet goes on the selection show yesterday and very much is defending the decision and saying, you know, he starts off by saying you know, it's, it's the best four and, you know, we're going to, we're, we're going to take the best teams. And that may not mean Florida State. I think they got it right. All this stuff. Um, Herb Street had tweets from October when the, I guess the first CFP rankings came out. And Ohio State fans were up in arms. I mean, not Ohio State. Florida State fans were up in arms about where they were. I don't, I don't even remember where, the, where they were. But they were behind a couple of teams that they thought they shouldn't have been behind. I guess it was, you know, I, I don't know. But Herb Street had these, these, these quotes responding to Ohio State and Florida State fans who were upset about where they were supposed to be and just said, just went out. Who gives a bleep where anyone is until December? And then even more damning, people found the uh, another tweet from a couple years earlier just said, why such sensitivity from FSU fans? If you win out, you'll be in the top four regardless. Who cares who's number one or number two? The goal is to finish in the top four. Well, they won out. They did not finish in the top four. It's a sham. I mean... I said the college football, the, the, the dirtiest trick they did is putting me in a position where I've got to root for Clemson over Kentucky. The other dirtiest trick they did, and they deserve a Nobel Peace Prize for this, is making Florida State somehow a sympathetic figure. Because like Florida State, maybe the most annoying fan base in all of college football, just brazen, obnoxious, holier than thou at times thinking everything revolves around them and all the time. And like I'm sitting here yesterday and being like, man, I feel bad for FSU. And I don't feel bad for the fans. I, I don't. I don't like FSU fans for the most part. I've got some friends who are FSU. They, they do the whole, like, I'm a Kentucky basketball but Florida State football fan thing. Or, like, I'm just a Florida State fan because I wasn't – I'm a 90s kid, which whatever. whatever. I think it's silly, but I don't, we're still friends. But the average Florida State fan, I don't really feel sorry for. The, the guy who's blowing up everybody on, on Twitter – constantly going to the message boards going crazy saying we they need to have a lawsuit the players i do feel sorry for i mean jordan travis had the tweet of the weekend i think where he came out and said i don't have it in front of me so i'm paraphrasing i wish i'd broken my leg a month earlier so that people could realize that we're fine without me we had more time to prove that we're just fine and i mean it's an honest tweet like he genuinely thinks that he said um i'm pulling it up right now um, God, we'll be scrolling through all the transfer portal guys. Thank you for uh, for fans for uh, that's a, that's the wrong one. Um, uh, he said devastated, heartbroken, in so much disbelief right now. I wish my leg broke earlier in the season so y'all could see this team is much more than the quarterback. I thought that results matter. Thirteen or no in this roster matches up across any team in these top four rankings. I'm so sorry. Go Knowles. They also had the live video because they had the the video feed at, at all six of the schools that had a 
theoretically, chance of making the top four. And the shot where Alabama pops up on the big screen, like I genuinely felt bad for the FSU players. And I'm not somebody who likes Florida State football, but it, it's so silly that you can do everything right, win every game you play, play a competitive schedule. I mean, their, I know that their strength of schedule was like 50-something, but their strength of record was third, which all the ESPN people were very quick to gloss over. And then not be rewarded with a chance to play for the sport's biggest prize. It's just silly. And I did feel bad for the kids. And Jordan Travis, I never heard a bad thing about him when he was at Louisville. I heard bad things about the way he was treated. But I think that he, I mean, look. I said it going into the 2018 season. I talked to a coach that year who was like, Juwan Pass just doesn't have it. And this is when everyone was trying to convince themselves that we could be a better, more well-rounded, old-school Bobby Ball offense without Lamar Jackson. And this coach was like, Jawan Pass doesn't have it. Malik Cunningham, he said at the time, which I think was wrong, but but he said Malik Cunningham is going to be playing a different position. And he said, Jordan Travis is this team's best quarterback. He'll be starting by October. And Travis never really got that chance. And I think the coaching staff was, was I mean, you know, this is the old anecdote about how Nick Petrino didn't know his name in, in October. And that's not the way to handle talent. And he went to Florida State and he wound up being really, really good. And I hate the way his career ended. Texas says, I will admit that I was pretty mad on Saturday night, but then I started to think about how around this time last year we thought we were still stuck with a mediocre coaching staff. We could very well be back in the ACC title game next year. We could. And I think that today's Monday, December 4th. I I think that tomorrow, I'll check the date, is the one-year anniversary of, of Satterfield leaving. I think it was on December 5th last year. And because it was just such a, I mean, a nuke just out of nowhere um that morning yeah december 5th 2022 it's it's hard to believe that it's only been a year it feels like it's been a lot longer at this point i mean this on this day 12 months ago there was just not much hope for us playing for for conference championships and and having double digit win seasons and you know we kind of thought we'd seen the best that we were going to see from Scott Satterfield I think we were excited about the recruiting class coming in but there was this whole notion of can this coaching staff have special seasons with these special players because we you know we felt like we'd had some pretty good players and we hadn't won more than eight games and and thankfully we're not in that position anymore it does feel a lot better than it, it did 12 months ago even though we're still sitting at a low right now. Texas says, I'm pissed about the loss. I'm pissed about the UK loss. I trust Brom, though. The thing that bothered me the most was how the offense got their butts whooped in the second half. Guys couldn't get separation. The offensive line couldn't block their line. Jack had very little time to throw, and the backs had no holes. It disheartened me, and I'm afraid that we were never able to play with teams at that level, but I hope I'm wrong. It was, I mean, I think the Texas, right? Like, it was jarring to see just how dominated we were when we had the ball. And I think like, I had friends who were like, this is on the coaches. They've got to, to scheme better. You got to help people out. And I think they, they tried a variety of different things. And it was just, there was no spot where Florida state didn't have a strong advantage. You tried play action. They were getting home to the quarterback. You tried pushing the ball downfield. Plummer had an underthrow where we had guys drops or we had guys that couldn't get separation. You tried, the standard running packages. Jawar got loose a couple times. Maurice Turner had a long run, but for the most part, they just they gobbled us up. You tried you know, some of the misdirection stuff that had been working for us. It, it didn't work. We, had, we tried a couple of trick plays. We tried to use uh, Jamari Thrash on a little trick play on a, on a second down. 
and he got gobbled up for a six-yard loss. We, we did the, the uh, flea flicker screen, which worked pretty well. That was nice, even though they, they called a holding penalty or blocking the back. I, I, we tried a variety of stuff, and just there wasn't much out there. If we were going to win the game, we were going to have to win it like 20-16. to 16. And we had a couple of opportunities to make that happen. Like I said, the, the fourth down play is right there. Josh Lipson's got nobody on him. All you have to do is not get that pass batted down. You know, Nate Kariski comes down with a touchdown catch. That's, that's seven points right there. If, you, know, you hit on if Jack makes the throw when Chris Bell has that separation on the second drive, that's a touchdown right there. We just didn't hit on any of those plays. We didn't make the big plays. And Florida State, they made just enough to win. But we were just thoroughly outmanned at every position when we had the ball. And it was, I think it did reinforce the notion that we just knew we had a good year, but there are certain teams that just have a lot more talent than we do right now. Let's take a break. When we come back, more from you guys in the Thornton Sex Line, 502-414-1450. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. Happy Monday to you here on the Big X. And the sky is gray. Matt Dennison here inviting you to join me weekdays at 11 a.m. for the Hoosier Report. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers, interviews with prominent figures in Kentuckiana sports, and discussion of other sports topics important to Southern Indiana. That's the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison, weekdays at 11 a.m. on the home for the Hoosiers, 1450 WXVW. Until about 10 years ago, for any electrical work I needed at my house, I was always calling a different electrician, sometimes for the same job. Things weren't done right and they weren't done on time, but for the last 10 years, Allen Electrical has been the only one I call. The work is unparalleled, it's prompt, the team's the epitome of professionalism. (laughs) You know, when I see an Allen Electrical truck in a neighbor's driveway, I kind of smile because I know they're getting the best. Allen Electrical, your electrician for life. Visit allenelectrical.com. They'll never leave you in the dark. Check out Thornton's all-new Southern Style Biscuits, the perfect complement to your morning breakfast sandwich. You will love the buttery goodness that will wake up your taste buds in the morning. Come on in and grab a breakfast sandwich today. Looking for an icy cold thirst quencher to keep your day going in the right direction? Well, right now, all 32-ounce fountain drinks and smaller are only 89 cents. You heard it right, only 89 cents. So come in today and grab a fountain drink from Thornton's. Hey, I love Salsaritas. Why? Flame-grilled meats, house-made chips, fresh-made salsas. For fast takeout, office catering, or your summer celebration, try Salsaritas. Visit them at St. Matthews or in Middletown or order online for special offers. We know to contact Indiana 811 at least two working days before every dig. Contact Indiana 811 and White Line before every project. Learn more at 811.safedigindiana.com. Sponsored by the Indiana Utility Regulatory Commission and aired by this station. Honey Baked Ham in New Albany is the perfect spot for a healthy alternative to fast food. They provide a variety of freshly made sandwiches, as well as salads and delicious soups. And you can dine in or take it to go. They also have many dinner options such as ham, turkey, frozen sides, and desserts, which provide a complete meal. Catering is also available for small groups or large gatherings. Call Honey Baked Ham today, 812-941-9426, or visit them, 3602 Northgate Court. Suite 23 in New Albany. 
Until about 10 years ago, for any electrical work I needed at my house, I was always calling a different electrician, sometimes for the same job. Things weren't done right and they weren't done on time, but for the last 10 years, Allen Electrical has been the only one I call. The work is unparalleled, it's prompt, the team's the epitome of professionalism. <laughs> you know, when I see an Allen Electrical truck in a neighbor's driveway, I kind of smile because I know they're getting the best. Allen Electrical, your electrician for life. Visit allenelectrical.com. They'll never leave you in the dark. When it comes to cabinets, appliances, furniture, audio, and video, nobody does it like Century Entertainment and Furnishing. Listen to what these very satisfied customers had to say. This is Jennifer, and we could not be happier with our outdoor sound system that Century installed for us. It is very user-friendly, and we love it. Thank you, Century. Hi, this is David. Century did my security system, cabinets, and entertainment system. The work is very high quality, and the customer service is top-notch. Visit Century at their beautiful state-of-the-art showroom at 4310 Shelbyville Road or at CenturyLiving.com. Kratz Sporting Goods is Southern Indiana's team sports specialist and is your local Adidas team product dealer. Kratz specializes in outfitting your team, organization, club, or business in apparel, hard goods, and accessories from Adidas and many others. Kratz offers fundraising opportunities for your team, organization, or club through online web stores. Let our friendly staff get you started today by calling 812-282-5400 or visit and shop at our website at kratzsports.com. Spend my days with a woman unkind Smoke my stuff and drink All my wine Made up my mind to make a new star Going to California with an aching in my heart Welcome back in. Monday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. Gary, what... Uh, Trevor Kelsey, by the way, not here. It's fine. We don't need to talk about him. Who cares? We've moved on. He's done. He's not done. He's just out for the week. But Gary, what uh, what TV service provider do you guys use at your house? Uh, we use Spectrum. Okay, so, like, but I have Hulu for ESPN Plus. Nice. We have the Hulu the the pack. We do the bundle where it's like you have ESPN Plus and Hulu and Disney Plus for a reasonable fee. So we have we have most of the apps, but we still have like old school Directv. Because it's the best for for live sports, and like, you can't watch Channel Eleven on Directv, I, which gets me to where I'm going here. I mentioned all throughout last week having a buddy who works for AT and T. He was like, just letting you know, like that game's going to be blacked out. Like it's going to go unless something crazy happens in the next couple of days. Your market is going to be blacked out for ABC. Like they're having this disagreement with one of their regional providers, and blah 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 blah. It all happens. So. I finally put out the official word on Friday. It's blacked out. Make plans to watch the game accordingly. I, I've got some friends that do like YouTube TV or you know just Hulu or, or whatever. I didn't know this. And now bringing this up, I, I know it's going to just the, the text line is going to explode. I have never seen a group of fans ride harder for anything than YouTube TV fans supported their decision to be YouTube TV users. Like, like my, my mentions, they're still, like, now the official YouTube TV account is responding to everybody, so everybody's coming back. Like, it, it makes me at least want to try YouTube TV, because I'd heard kind of mixed reviews from friends that have done it, but, like, everybody is like, if you still have DirecTV, you're a bleeping moron. If you've got UVerse, you're a moron. Like, YouTube TV people, it's like when the iPhone first came out, and everyone's like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. Like, I, like it well, made, what, what would make YouTube TV special over... Over Hulu, uh, and when now when ESPN was off cable, I took the streaming option for a month, 
and I was able to watch all the local stations and e- all the ESPN stations uh, over Hulu and didn't have any problems at all. I see. I don't know. And, and I kid you not, though. But like I saw all these people just when I made the announcement that hey, Directv Uverse, if you're a user, you're gonna have to find an alternative way to watch the game on, on Saturday night. All these people responded with YouTube TV stuff. And so I just put out a tweet saying, this week I learned that people who have YouTube TV are very passionate about having YouTube TV. I'm not sure I've ever seen a fan base ride harder. I like That generated like a billion responses from people who were just backing up the claim. or it, you, There were like two or three who were like, I've got it and it's, it, it's just okay. Or somebody who was like, I they don't have baseball, so I had to get rid of it. But like for the most part, like I've like it just sent everybody into an like everybody was dying to tell me about their YouTube TV experience. Like I, I just I wasn't ready for it. I just I didn't know that these people were that passionate. Well, if you live here in the city, um, you can get Channel Eleven. It's still available for free over the air, and you can also get the antenna. Uh, a lot of people yeah. were doing that, which is nice. But I mean, like, I just like I, I couldn't believe it. And then people saw like took my tweet as like an affront to YouTube TV. I was simply making an observation. People were like, are you talking bleep about YouTube TV? I will kill you. I will literally <laughs> kill you. I was like, I've, I mean, it was like it was like insulting somebody's religion at this point. Like People were just, I, I didn't realize that YouTube TV was such a, a, a passionate, had such a passionate fan base, but now I do. Now well, I you know a lot of people uh, dislike Spectrum TV too, but it's like I've, I've told people, Spectrum has what I want. Yeah, it may be a little pricey, but... It's always on, and the internet is very dependable for me on on Spectrum. There you go. That's all you need for some people. Yeah, that's fine. But, but there's people that want to put up satellite dishes and all that to get uh, you know internet. I just can't believe it. Just you either get AT and T internet or Spectrum, and and you'll be okay. I mean, this guy like YouTube TV is the cable cutter's version of being vegan. It's a product and a part of life. YouTube TV is love. YouTube TV is life. And I guess the iPhone is a part of life too. It is now for sure. Well, my wife has an Android, and and she she likes it much better than the iPhone. I, I did see a lot of people who are like YouTube TV people or iPhone people, where they just like, like they they can't. It can't get through. They can't process the idea that people aren't using YouTube TV. So I mean, more pop. Yeah, look, and if the guys. internet goes out, how are you going to use that YouTube TV? I don't know. Maybe, but look, they love it. They see now. See now. I guarantee though, we're going to get a billion texts from people on the text line about YouTube TV because you made those, those comments. Like now, it's just going to blow up. It's going to be fine. It's, it is, but I just I didn't realize the passion ran that deep. Thornton's text line is 502-414-1450, you guys. A lot to react to on this Monday, and, and you guys have you know, reacted accordingly. Uh, we're reacting to the ACC championship game, the holiday bowl berth, the Florida State snub, all the portal news, everything that's going on. A little bit of basketball. We'll get to more basketball coming up in hour number three. But for now, let's keep it going with you guys on, on the text line at 502-414-1450. Text us, the only thing worse uh, how the football season closed – is that I've become convinced that KP is getting a third season. We are going to run into wins unless he's truly an awful coach and bungles them. I think you're you're right about us running into wins, and we'll talk more about this next hour. It's fine. Texas Mike, thank you for mentioning that TCU beat Michigan last year. Did everybody forget that they won a semifinal? Also, Ohio State should have beaten Georgia last year in the semi. They should have. Yeah, the I've been annoyed at everybody using the TCU blowout loss to Georgia as some sort of piece of evidence to justify excluding Florida State. If it were the semifinal, then yeah, that that works. That's a nice little exhibit C to have. But they they made the playoff. They were seen as the weakest of the teams. They upset Michigan to get to the championship game and then 
you know, the world came crashing down on their heads, but they won a game in, in the playoff. It, it, it doesn't make the argument that you think it's making when you use them. Texture says, uh, like Canal said, Canal said, as far as the playoff goes, it's not a playoff. It's an invitational. The SEC homers around here, all they want is SEC teams, and that's it. They run their mouths when Ohio State or Clemson gets in, let alone a team like TCU or UC when they make it. I'm so glad it's going to 12 teams now. It's time to curb some of this entitlement. The most misleading catchphrase or tagline or whatever you want to call it that a sport has ever used is when it was probably what 10 15 years ago at this point do you remember when college football the marketing department they would use this every every week as a playoff line to try and and hype the sport up the least accurate thing i've ever heard for a sport because no for half the sport first of all there is no playoff. There's no route to the BCS championship game 15 years ago. There's no route to the college football playoff today. And then there will be moving forward, which is great. But for if you're a group of five team, like 90% of you have no shot at making the playoff, even if you go undefeated. And now we know that there are instances where power five conference teams can go undefeated and not make the playoff. I mean, hell, there was a, and I saw that this team was trending yesterday. In 2004, Auburn in the SEC went 13 0. Won every game, didn't make the BCS national championship game because uh, USC and was it was it Oklahoma both went undefeated and were seen as better and got to play for it. It's a terrible setup for a sport, and to act like there's a science behind picking four teams. There are 133 teams that play FBS football. They play at most 13 games. Most of them play 12. That's a limited sample size. You don't have everybody from every conference playing intermingling throughout the season. You just don't know. There's no way to know who the four best teams are. No way. There was even less of a a, a better way to figure out who two teams were that stood above the rest of the country. It's such a silly setup. You were begging for something like this. And quite honestly, it's it's a minor miracle that it took to the last year, till it took a full decade to have something this ridiculous happen with a four-team playoff. I did, I did not see text lines. Let me know. Josh Minkins also is in the transfer portal. Did not see that. Um, that's probably the biggest one that's out there then. Minkins, starter, local kid, uh, one of the team's leading tacklers. Now, he had a little bit of a rough year. I think as the season went on, it became apparent. Uh, I think he dealt with an injury at the beginning of the year that had him a step or two slow. But even when he came back, like Devin Neal and Cam Kelly were our best safeties. And MJ Griffin – would have been a starter had he not gotten hurt right before the start of the year. So maybe Minkins um, you know, saw some of the writing on the wall with a couple guys coming back. I don't know, but that's that one's a little bit surprising to me. But that's a that, that's a big one. So now we have Josh Minkins, Victuan Brown, Marquise Gross, Killebrew, Popeye Williams, and Jackson Hamilton all in the transfer portal. Unless something else has happened that I haven't seen over the last hour. Five defensive guys on the portal. Like it's going to happen. They're going to be you, every single year now. I hope it's not the case, but I think it's going to be until something changes. Every single year, you're going to lose a few guys that you really don't want to lose. You're going to lose a lot of guys that are young and maybe feel like they should have gotten an earlier opportunity to see the field. You're going to lose some guys that are old and thought that they should have had more opportunities to see the field. But you're there's every team is going to lose one or two guys that you're like, damn, that one really hurts. Minkins is kind of one of those guys. Texture says, maybe Brom uh, taking this QB is 
budget NIL, got to save the big bucks for the position players. I think there's something to that. I mean, I, I think that if you went, let's say they wanted to go after, I don't even know, one of the bigger names out, the, the kid from UCLA. I mean, it's going to cost you high six figures, maybe low seven figures. All of a sudden, you've got nothing left for them. And look, they've already got some NIL deals with current guys on the team that they've got to pay out. You maybe can't get a big-time defensive addition that could help replace Ashton Gelati if he leaves or some of the other guys that we know we're losing. You've got to – I mean, these are the types of things that you have to think about now. It can't just be all for one spot. Now, I do think that quarterback's the most important position, and I think if there is a downside to what took place this year is you look at how close we were in the three games we lost. Even the pick game, I know the final score doesn't reflect it. We lost by 17, but you know we were – driving down by four in the fourth quarter in that game and a pick six happened and then we got desperate and then they added a, a late garbage touchdown. You, I think you feel like if we had a a really good quarterback this year, team easily could have been 13-0. and it, I mean, we, we would have gotten left out of the playoff too, but it would have been nice to be 13-0. And I think that's the, the one downside is you say if we could have just gotten the most someone better at the most important position and the position where this staff has had the most success historically – we could have won the few games that we lost. Texas says the offense doesn't look that hard if they thought Plummer could do it. I don't really know what that means, but... Texas, hi, my question uh, for me, the question regarding Plummer is why he was here at all. We couldn't even get any of the freshmen, any playing experience with him here, a couple series, nothing. Because I think the, the staff wanted to win. I, look, if you wanted to... Have Pierce Clarkson thrown to the Wolves, thrown to the fire, or Brady Allen or Harrison Bailey, whichever young quarterback is your favorite. Okay, maybe we have a good year next year. We don't win 10 games with those guys starting at quarterback. We don't. We maybe go 5-7, and 6-6, seven, 7-5 six and six, seven and five against a very light schedule. Like, you don't, I've said this before, like the old baseball adage, you don't get to choose when you contend. Winning 10 games this year is a great start for what I think the, the – Rom family and the entire coaching staff hope is is a great era of Cardinal football, the best era of Cardinal football. We got things rolling. We we got things off on the right foot. We've had this is the first time we've won ten games in a season since twenty thirteen. It's been a long time. It's the seventh time ever that we've won ten games in a season. And I don't think you do that if you take the the lumps with a, a quarterback. And the thing about taking the lumps with it with a young quarterback is there's no guarantee that they're going to be fantastic moving forward. I think with, with Teddy and Lamar, you could see pretty early on these guys have the potential to be great. And so you did want to see them out there. They showed it. I don't think that the you know, th- th- there's that guarantee with any of the guys in the on the current roster. I mean, Pierce Clarkson, we talk about, I think he was very well known as a recruit. He didn't have the type of recruiting rankings that, or, or the highlight video that Lamar or Teddy had. He's not even the highest-ranked former recruit on, on the, the roster. Harrison Bailey was a higher-ranked kid coming out of uh, high school, and Brady Allen was right there with Clarkson in terms of high school recruiting rankings. Deuce Adams coming in is a similarly-rated quarterback. So it, like, he meant a great deal to us because of where we were as a program and because of the ties that he had, but it's not like, Pierce Clarkson's this can't-miss, five-star, top-ten quarterback. I hope he does become that type of player, but I think throwing him to the Wolves would have done more harm than good this year. 
And, and look, I could be totally wrong about that. Just what I think. Texter says, is Renardo Green still holding a fistful of Jamari Thrash's jersey? It, it did seem there were several times where they were just clutching and grabbing. But look, it's like we, we talk about this more when it comes to basketball. You've got to adjust to the officiating. If you know they're going to get away with that stuff in the secondary, one, you've got to do it too, which I think we, we did a little bit of. And two, you've got to, I don't know, maybe more screens, maybe do something different. And you know, we kept waiting for them to, to throw a flag on what seemed like an obvious PI, and they just wouldn't do it. Um, I, I did like when the announcer, I think it was Jesse Palmer, was talking about how, you know, that, that one looks like good defense to me. If they haven't been, that's the way they've been calling it. You got to use it. And they bring on the rules guys, like, that's pretty clear pass interference. And I was like, thank you. And finally, one of the rules experts says something where I'm like, I'm glad we have this guy. I'm glad he's adding something to this conversation. Texture says, um, it's a lot of text. Um, I can't stand the Jack got us to 10 win crowd. No, he just happened to be here for the ride. I disagree with that. Says uh, he's not a kid anymore. 24-year-olds are grown-ass men. 12 picks in 13 games is absolutely garbage. He was not fantastic this year. I'm not claiming that he was. I do think he's the best quarterback on the roster. I do think that you have to trust the coaching staff that knows what a great quarterback is and who sees all the quarterbacks practice every single day and – they thought that there was not a serviceable option behind him. I mean, look, also, like, we have we know what the backups look like. We know who Brock Doman is. We know who Evan Conley is. That's two and three on your depth chart. If you weren't going to go with with uh, with Jack Plummer, you were going to go with Brock Doman. We've seen – and Brock Doman, great – I won't say kid because you just corrected me. Great man, great person, won us some games in the past. I If, if you – if you thought, seeing what we've seen from Brock Doman, that he could come out there and light up FSU on Saturday, I disagree. I think he would look a lot like what he looked like against UK last year, where just couldn't get anything done. He does not have – he's – talk about Jack Plummer's arm strength. Brock Doman doesn't have a bigger arm than Jack Plummer. And Evan Conley doesn't have a bigger arm than either one of them. Maybe, I mean, Harrison Bailey, do you really want to put him out there? Do you really want to put Brady Allen, Pierce Clarkson, first real action of the season in that type of situation? I just – you had to ride with what got you there. Texas Plummer least fave card over Jawan Pass is wild. Plummer four times more wins and infinitely more conference wins. I, I do hate for for Jack because I think when and who knows how he's going to play in the bowl game. I don't think it really matters that much. But when we think about Jack Plummer, there will be some thought about the fact that you know we we went to a conference championship with him. We won ten games with him. But I think that most people are going to have, like when those synapses fire, the first thing you think of when you hear the name Jack Plummer is going to be the mistakes. It's going to be, hey, it wasn't very good. wasn't good enough. And I think it's fair. Like, like he's, for the most part, been good enough. Like you know, We've been an offense that's been good for most of the season. Maybe not as explosive as we thought we were going to be with Jeff Brom back. Maybe not as explosive as we thought we were going to be after the first four or five games this year. But he's more times than not made the right decisions and made some uh, the simple throws that are out there, steered the ship the right way, made some good checks, like understood how to run things. He's been okay. But the mistakes are so glaring and consistent throughout the season where he just makes decisions and makes throws that 
a true freshman out there can't make, let alone somebody who's been a major college football player for six years. You can't throw the picks that he's thrown in the, in the end zone. You can't throw the, the pick sixes that he's thrown at really key momentous times in games. Uh, the fumble against UK is going to stand out. Like That, I think, is going to wind up defining the way we remember Jack Plummer. And it sucks for him and it sucks for us, but it, it, honestly, it's at the end of the day, it's probably fair. He's been fine. I don't think that we win 10 games with any other quarterback on the roster, but if he were just a little better, we could have really done so. We, we did great things this year, but we really, you know, I think if he's just a little better, we don't lose to Kentucky. I think if he's just a little better, we win on Saturday night. We're conference champions. We're playing in the Orange Bowl. We're ha- having an opportunity to secure another one of maybe the biggest wins in program history. And it's hard not to, it, it's hard not to think that. It is. Texture says, uh, I agree 100% on the over-the-top plumber bashing on social media. you got to treat our players better than that. I mean, it was, I think a lot of the stuff that I saw, I didn't see any of it. For the most part, when when the game ended and I saw that everybody was was very upset, I kind of just checked out. It was also late. It was time to get the work done and then call it a night. So I didn't see a ton of the Jack Plummer bashing. The, the, what, what I did see was, I, I thought some of it was unjust. It, and again, like it's not like he... It's not like there were reports out there that he showed up drunk to the game or that he was out until 4 a.m. the night before, which, look, there have been bowl games in the past, I will not go into specifics, where we have had players who have been out very late the night before and have not played well. And I think that, you know, those are the types of players, those are the types of situations where you deserve to be grilled. Plummer's not that type of, uh, of guy. He just did, he didn't, he didn't play well in a big spot. Texter says, I'm not a superstitious man, but I'd feel better matching up against USC if Dion Branch and the Keg of Nails were present. Great job by Mike powering through today on point. I'm trying. It's a lot of me talking. If you're sick of me talking, trust me, I'm more sick of it. <laughs> it's, it just, it's the way it's got to be today. Um, yeah, look, we have Dion on the sideline still. Maybe tell these guys that they're playing for some sort of pseudo-rivalry trophy and, 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 and they'll win. Look, we haven't lost a, a rivalry trophy outside of the Governor's Cup in the last two years. Won the boots. Won the Keg of Nails. Maybe it'll be good. Maybe it'll be good. Texas, do you think that FSU getting left out will further push them leaving the ACC? This is my favorite thing that's come out of this whole uh, this whole deal. It's all these people now that are like reports that Florida State is the last straw. Florida State and Clemson are going to leave, and North Carolina is going to leave, and Louisville and a bunch of schools have reached out to the Big Twelve. These schools have been trying to leave. Don't believe any of these reports. This is nothing new. Like the whole big show and song and dance this season of Florida State having these big meetings and. Can we get out of the... They've been trying to leave the conference for like five years now. Nobody can get out of the grant of rights. And this whole deal of if they can get a majority to vote to dissolve the grant of rights, nobody even knows if they can do that. They've These schools that have all this money have hired all these expensive lawyers to try and find a loophole to try and figure out, and nobody has been able to do it yet. The conference, nobody's going anywhere in the very near future unless one of these lawyers finds something very soon. Yes, it sucks. Yes, they're pissed off. No, they've got no other way to, where to go. They're stuck. They're stuck. All right, 5 o'clock hours up next. Keep it locked right here. Rutherford Show continues after this here on The Big X.
96.1 FM, WXVW, Jeffersonville, W230CK, Jeffersonville. Hi, this is New Albany Mayor Jeff Gahan. I'd like to take this opportunity to wish New Albany and the Bulldogs the best of luck this season. It's going to be a special season. Thanks for making New Albany proud. We have a lot to be proud of here in New Albany, most importantly our schools. The citizens of New Albany and Floyd County are investing $87 million to make our public schools even better than before. Our students will be safer, and they'll even have a greater opportunity to reach their potential. Come see for yourself why the city of New Albany is where you should be. At Genesis Diamonds, we're rolling back prices and finance rates so you can get that special someone the most special gift ever. Maybe it's that pair of diamond earrings or that all-new designer fashion bracelet or that dazzling two-carat diamond ring. It's all more affordable because at Genesis, we've got special pricing across the board and zero interest for five years. So you can get that $3,000 diamond pendant and pay just $50 a month or that $6,000 eternity band for just $100 a month. Everything's included in this amazing holiday offer. All our GIA certified natural diamonds and all our lab-grown diamonds. Even all our luxury pre-owned Rolex watches. Imagine that $15,000 Rolex for just $250 a month. You can even finance the sales tax. Don't let talk of rising prices and high interest rates dampen your holiday spirit. At Genesis, we're lowering prices and taking interest rates down to zero. Get that headliner gift they deserve and make your money go farther than ever. Merry Christmas from Genesis Diamonds. Shelbyville Road Plaza on approved credit. Until about 10 years ago, for any electrical work I needed at my house, I was always calling a different electrician, sometimes for the same job. Things weren't done right and they weren't done on time, but for the last 10 years, Allen Electrical has been the only one I call. The work is unparalleled, it's prompts, the team's the epitome of professionalism. <laughs> you know, when I see an Allen Electrical truck in a neighbor's driveway, I kind of smile because I know they're getting the best. Allen Electrical, your electrician for life. Visit allenelectrical.com. They'll never leave you in the dark. When it comes to cabinets, appliances, furniture, audio, and video, nobody does it like Century Entertainment and Furnishing. Listen to what these very satisfied customers had to say. This is Jennifer, and we could not be happier with our outdoor sound system that Century installed for us. It is very user-friendly, and we love it. Thank you, Century. Hi, this is David. Century did my security system, cabinets, and entertainment system. The work is very high quality, and the customer service is top-notch. Visit Century at their beautiful state-of-the-art showroom at 4310 Shelbyville Road or at centuryliving.com. You can't earn a college degree in 10 minutes, but you can apply for a checking account from Republic Bank in 10 minutes or less, and that's a certifiably smart decision. Enjoy free bill pay, free mobile deposit, and access to over 90,000 fee-free ATMs. Applying takes just 10 minutes or less. Easy banking begins in 10. Apply now at republicbank.com. Free ATM access at AllPoint, MoneyPass, Sum, and Presto ATMs. Message and data rates may apply from your wireless carrier. Member FDIC. McAllister's Deli, where it's made fresh for you. The dining room is open, providing a safe environment following all state and CDC guidelines. Download the McAllister's app to order carryout or delivery. Visit any of our 11 area locations for the regional favorite. Every regional favorite is handcrafted and made to order using fresh, high-quality ingredients. We promise that every generous portion will be served with a smile as big as the one it'll leave on your face. McAllister's Deli. The plumbers, pipe fitters, welders, and HVAC technicians of Local 502's commitment to excellence can be seen in our community every day. The KFC Yum Center, Ford Motor Company, and the Omni Hotel are just a few examples of their professional craftsmanship. 
Local 502 has been part of our community for over a century and invests over $1 million annually training skilled local workers. Members of Local 502 are your friends, neighbors, and children's coaches. For more information, go to LU502.com. Local 502, built on excellence, building a better tomorrow. Tell Trevor really started reaching for the California songs after there were like three that came right to his mind. Then he was like, "All right, I'm just going to Google search California songs and just put on whatever comes up." You don't know this song? I don't know this song. Wax is the group, and of course, the song is California. Exactly. Trevor just he like Spotify searched California. <laughs> I was like, "All right, whatever. I've done my work for the day." <laughs> Trevor Kelsey's out today. He'll be out for the rest of the week, I believe. We got Gary in the house. I think we'll have Scoots in tomorrow. Lots to talk about, though. It's a big time reaction Monday. We've been reacting to, mo- I mean, almost entirely football. We talked about the conference championship game. We talked about Florida State getting left out of the college football playoff. We've talked about the transfer portal. Unless something has changed now, five Louisville players, by my count, are in the transfer portal today. Victuan Brown, Marquise Gross, Killebrew, Popeye Williams, Jackson Hamilton, and now Josh Minkins. Um, we talked about Tyler Shuck, the quarterback transfer from Texas Tech, who's in town this weekend for a visit. I think think that he is your leader as far as the Jeff Brom portal quarterback sweepstakes. I think uh, Tyler Van Dyke is, is kind of in play. I think some other guys they've reached out to. But Tyler Shuck, former high school teammate of Jawar Jordan, very much the seems to be the leader. We'll see how this visit goes, and we'll see what he decides, and we'll see what Louisville decides. Uh, we talked about cards going to the Holiday Bowl, taking on USC, who – Lincoln Riley today officially announced Caleb Williams, quarterback, reigning Heisman Trophy winner, will not be playing in the bowl game. I did like a couple of like rival fans hit me up and were like, they saw the opponent, didn't want to play. Look, Caleb Williams wasn't going to play in any bowl game outside of the college football playoff and maybe a very sexy like Rose Bowl or New Year's Six game. Like If this were anybody else, he's not going to play in this. He's probably going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. It's no shock that he is not going to play in the game and that his, high, his college career has now come to an end. Not a shock at all. We talked a lot uh, to you guys on the Thornton Sex Line at 502-414-1450. I would like to talk a little hoops to start the 5 o'clock hour because we have not touched on anything that took place yesterday. Um, because a lot of people, according to the text line, according to you know tweets from yesterday, didn't even know the Louisville was playing. Uh, the men's basketball team, sad state of affairs right now, just sort of a weird state of affairs, that you could play a conference game on the road against a look longtime opponent. We've played Virginia Tech a lot over the years, and people could just kind of forget that it was happening. Not great for the program if that's the case. Uh, but Louisville did play at Virginia Tech at Castle Coliseum yesterday afternoon in Blacksburg and played a look relatively speaking competitive game. Like a they looked like a normal basketball team, not a good basketball team, not a great basketball team, but they looked like a kind of a normal basketball sort of the way they looked in New York they led at halftime they led for large chunks of the game and as was the case against IU and to a lesser degree Texas they faltered down the stretch didn't make the plays they needed to make in order to win and wound up losing by seven Virginia Tech won despite not making a field goal in the game's final four minutes and 13 seconds I believe but they made 12 free throws over that stretch Louisville had some costly turnovers they they didn't get the job done 
when they needed to, and thus they've lost now 20 straight road games. I thought it was crazy. I looked up you know, this road losing streak. They've won a couple games away from home. They won a game in the conference tournament two years ago. They've won some neutral site games, but they've not won a true road game since January 2nd, 2022. Almost two full years. We're going on 24 months nearly but since the last time Louisville won a game on an opponent's home floor. And that opponent, that game, was at Georgia Tech, coached by the man who was commentating their game yesterday in Josh Pastner. And it was kind of like that's that's why he's commentating the game is because the last team we were able to beat away from home was uh, was Georgia Tech. They, I mean, I say away from home. We were, they're the last team we were able to beat on their home floor and the last team that we were able to beat away from home when we knocked them off in the conference tournament. That was our last neutral site victory as well. So thank you to Josh for calling the game. Thank you to Josh also for losing to us twice two years ago, which helped set the table for him to be calling games and, and not actually coach them. The net rankings came out for the first time today. This is the the grouping tool that the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee utilizes for its selection process now. Now, Louisville is... I don't want to be... They are playing better. They looked competent yesterday against Virginia Tech. They played in a way that led me to believe that they're going to be able to you know, win at least a couple of these non-conference games they have remaining against nobody opponents. They've got DePaul coming up on Saturday. They've got Arkansas State and Pepperdine after that. Those are three pretty bad teams. You should, if you play the way that you played yesterday and the way that you played in New York, be able to win at least two of those, maybe all three. And then they played like a team that could probably win... A handful of games in the ACC. Their net, the, the, their Ken Palm ranking right now is 161, which is, is is terrible, but it's better than their net ranking. I'll say that. The net ranking, the first ones that came out today, have Louisville at number 279. There are, as a reminder, 362 teams that play Division One basketball. Louisville is 279th according to the net rankings. And these are the official tool that the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee utilizes. I don't like our chances of an at-large bid right now, folks. I don't like it. Don't feel good about it. Need to boost that resume a little bit. We are, and I don't know how the rankings work. We, we still don't. It's a weird thing. I mean, the NCAA always is doing weird stuff. But one of the weirdest things that they do right now is they have this selection tool. And they tell us some of the stuff that's in it, but they don't have a, a full rundown of everything that goes in the rankings. So we don't know exactly how they get to where they get. But the rankings right now have Louisville at 279, one spot behind an Eastern Washington team that's 0-6. I, like, I, at the risk of being a homer here, I, I'm not taking up for Louisville in some sort of dramatic way, but having them behind a team that hasn't beaten a Division One opponent seems a, a little silly. I, and then look, Eastern Washington has only played power conference teams so far. They've played Utah, Ole Miss, Cincinnati, Stanford, Washington State, and USC, but they've lost to all six by double digits. It doesn't. It doesn't seem. There's nothing there that makes me think they're clearly better than Louisville. But whatever. Uh, cards two seventy nine in the net rankings. The next lowest power conference team. In, in case you're wondering, if you're looking at the the six power conferences, the DePaul Blue Demons. At 267. These two teams will square off on Saturday in Chicago. 40 minutes for the rest of our lives. This is definitely a game that I feel like Louisville, I mean, Louisville should win. DePaul is, DePaul's god awful. We damn near beat them two years ago when we were terrible and they were better. 
but uh, we're probably going to be a slight underdog. DePaul is 1-6. They've lost to four mid- and low-major teams. They just lost to Iowa State by 20. On Friday, they'll play Texas A&M on Wednesday on the road. That will probably be a lopsided loss. DePaul's going to come into this game with a 1-7 record. Louisville's going to be 4-4. Four four. It's a game that we should win, and it would be appropriate because you know why? DePaul Day is done. It's dead. It was my baby. I nurtured that thing from its infancy up until the behemoth it became in the latter years of being in the Big East, and then it died forever when we lost to them two years ago. Chris Mack killed DePaul Day. It was his first game back, killed it. I'll never forgive him. If we beat DePaul in this revenge game two years later, it will officially make the Mike Rutherford guarantee a successful guarantee. It will be win number five. It will feel incredibly appropriate. It won't totally make up for the holiday that we've all lost, but it will be something. And hopefully it will shut up the DePaul fans that are have been flooding my mentions on a daily basis for the last two years. You'd think they would shut up already because they finished last in the Big East every single year and they're 1-6 right now, but they're not. And they will be obnoxious if they beat us again. We need to go win that game. But Louisville, big picture-wise now, I've never been more convinced that my preseason take on this team is going to wind up being the case. They're not going to give us an easy answer as far as where we go with year three and Kenny Payne. Ideally, you wanted this team to be really good, right? You wanted them to win 25 games, make the NCAA tournament, maybe do some damage in the NCAA tournament, and have everybody who's doubting Kenny Payne and who's low on Kenny Payne, who says we have to go in a different direction, make them shut up forever. We're all on the same page. Kenny Payne's great. The future of this program's great. Let's ride. And if that wasn't the case, honestly, the next best thing for Louisville basketball was for this season to be an abject failure was for them to, to have another single-digit winning season or a 10-win season, just so we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that this is not the guy, this is not the staff. We have to cut ties and take a next first step forward if we're going to get Louisville basketball back to where we expect it to be. I don't think either of those two things are going to happen. Louisville's looking just good enough right now that they're going to get to where I thought they were going to be going into the season, which is between like 13 and 17 wins. We're going to – look, I, I think we should beat DePaul. We should beat Pepperdine. We should beat Arkansas State. You're 7-4 and four right there. Now, you're not going to beat Kentucky. It'd be very funny, considering all the hype that they have, which is a little bit less vocal after losing to UNC Wilmington over the weekend. But still, I think UK fans feel good about their team. And then you go into the in an ACC, which is, once again, not the ACC that it's been in past years. You've got a handful of teams that are in the 100s on Ken Palm right now. Syracuse, Georgia Tech, Boston College, Notre Dame. You play Syracuse and BC twice. You get that VT team that you had on the ropes at their place. They come and play at the Yum Center on March 5th. You should be able to scrap together, I don't know, four, five, six, maybe seven wins in the ACC. I don't think that that's outside the realm of possibility at all. So you're not going to be good this year. But you're not going to be bad enough to where everybody, even the most staunch Kenny Payne defender, is saying he hasn't earned a third year. There's going to be a debate about this. And for a fan base that has gone through as much as we've gone through in recent years, it's honestly kind of the the last thing that I think any of us want. They're going to be just good enough to make this awkward. They're going to pull a Satterfield. They're going to make it weird. And we're going to be left wondering what decision the AD is going to make. And it's going to be a tough one for him. And we'll, you know, we'll figure it out. I mean, I guess there's still hope out there that you could be good enough to make this thing clear. 
they've looked better in some games recently. They haven't looked good enough to me. This is still not anywhere near the standard for Louisville basketball. Imagine, and I know it's hard to... The thing that sucks the most about us having the the last three years that we've had is I think we're starting to get kind of used to it. We're starting to get accustomed to, you know, they, they, they played better on the road against Virginia Tech. We hadn't lost to Virginia Tech in 18 games before last year. We hadn't lost them since the 80s. And it's a team that we'd played in multiple conferences with since the 80s. And we're looking at this now. We're four and four. We've got four narrow quad four, well, three narrow quad four victories and one 20-point win over Coppin State. We've looked bad against a UMBC team that's 309 on Ken Palm, bad against a New Mexico State team that's 272 on Ken Palm, bad against a Bellarmine team that's 233 on Ken Palm. And we've got narrow losses to Texas, Indiana, VT, and a 10-point loss at home to Chattanooga. And we're sitting here being like, it's progress. It's better. And you're not wrong if you're saying that. It's better. We won four games all of last year. We look like like somewhat of a competent basketball team. Being a somewhat competent basketball team is not the standard here at any point in the history of Louisville basketball, and it shouldn't be for the second year of a new head coach. Nobody would have said that that was the standard two years ago when Kenny Payne was hired. Nobody would have said, hey, if he just gets us to 10, 12 wins in year two. But people reset their bar because we were so bad last year and because we were dealing with these mysterious problems that people still don't really know how to explain I, I just think if you can't, if this team can't be top 11, 12 in the ACC, then it shouldn't even be a debate. It, it shouldn't. And maybe they can get to that point. Maybe they can be like the eight or nine seed in the conference tournament. Maybe they can go nine and 11 in league play and pull off a couple of victories that they shouldn't. I don't see that happening. And if it doesn't happen, I don't think there's a debate. But that's just me. My opinion doesn't matter. We'll see what happens. But I, I, I feel like we are now. I'm glad they're playing better. It gives me some hope for the, the, the months ahead as far as us not getting blown out on a, a nightly basis and us maybe, hey, maybe we win a game or two in the conference tournament. Maybe we can make this thing a little bit more fun than we thought. But it it hasn't been good enough to, to make me feel any more confident in the direction, the overall direction of this program. Which, look, the bigger picture right now is is more important than the the current situation. Everybody knows that the ceiling for this team isn't where the ceiling for Louisville basketball should be. I don't think the ceiling for this team is NCAA tournament. I think we've all sort of accepted that this is going to be, at best, a team that's maybe a little bit above 500. So the bigger issue for all of us is how do we get to a point where next year, two years from now, three years from now, the program's back to being top 25 good, back to where we're in February and January, talking about where we're going to be seated, not if we're going to be in the field of 68. What's the the next move to make that happen? If it's keeping Kenny Payne, great. That's easy. If it's not, we need to go ahead and make it because time is of the essence. You've Every year that goes by like this, where you've got, I mean, the the crowd for the, what was the number for the, the last home game, um, the Mexico State game before Bellarmine was even lower than Coppin State. Lowest tenants in the history of the KFC Yum Center. You talk about people not even knowing that the team's playing an ACC game on Sunday. Every single month, every single year that this goes on, you run the risk of losing more and more from the next generation of UL fans that just don't get hooked the way that we got hooked. It costs you money now. It costs you money 10 years from now. It costs you support 10 years from now. We've got to get this thing fixed as quickly as possible. 
Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. If you've got basketball thoughts, if you've got football thoughts, let them out. Lots to react to today. It's a loaded day. Uh, it's going to be an interesting month moving forward now. We got we have 23 days until the next football game, but we're going to have tons of football news between then and, and now that pertains to 2024 and years ahead. We're going to have a lot of basketball. Not much this week. We've got volleyball also moving on to the Sweet 16. This weekend, they will try to win two matches and make it to a third straight Final Four. Would love to see the, you know, maybe the ladies can win a national title. That would be a welcome distraction here in, in December for everybody. So there's still going to be tons of going on, but the the breakneck pace that we've been on when it comes to basketball and football in this, these overlap weeks is going to slow down just a little bit in the weeks to come. But we'll still have plenty to talk about. 502-414-1450. Let's go back to the text line. Take some thoughts from you guys. Next uh, uh, next segment, we will look ahead to the night that will be in sports as well. Texas, using your analogy of the playoff committee's reasoning to leave FSU out, I would have liked to have seen Brock Doman get an opportunity to go into the game when we all knew that Plummer was struggling. How do we know that Brock was going to have a good game or bad game if we didn't put him in the game? We already have quite a bit of knowledge of how Plummer was going to do from his body of work. I turned the game off at halftime because I knew that Braum would not replace Plummer and it wasn't going well. I was pissed off too. Glad I didn't spend the money to go to Charlotte. And the big difference I would say is we've seen plenty of Brock Doman the last two years. Like Brock is a six-year guy. We know what his strengths are. We know what his limitations are. We've seen him start, I think, five games over the last two years. So it's not like... I think you could have easily pieced together how it would have gone putting Brock Doman into that game. Now maybe he maybe he would have he would have been great. Maybe his arm strength has just gotten better being on the bench the last uh, the, the last six months than it was when we saw him last November against UK. I don't think that that's the case, but like it's a little bit different. If you want to make that case with Harrison Bailey or, or Pierce Clarkson, then it's a little bit better of an argument. Texter says. A third stringer, come on, man, Indiana Larry. I mean, yeah, it's one player. Their offense didn't do much. They, they, they didn't beat us with offense, and their only touchdown came out of the Wildcat. Their, Brock Glenn did nothing to us. Their defense destroyed us. Texas says, uh, Takeo Siddle. Got to make him say no. There you go. Texas, any new scoops in the transfer portal for football? Nothing that I haven't said already. I think the, the Burks kid from Purdue, Louisville, felt like they were in really good good position with him. I think Burks was very adamant on coming to Louisville. And then he did not have us in his list today because there's some word out there that Jamari Thrash might be coming back. And I think Burks wants to be the number one guy somewhere. Texas says, so you're saying that when I complain about getting a tire gauge for Valentine's Day, I'm really complaining about something else entirely. Is that what you're saying, Mike? Because I think the tire gauge was pretty rough. Please clarify. Your situation is different. The tire gauge is... The tire gauge is more the loss to Kentucky level. I think when you're complaining about getting a tire gauge for Valentine's Day, that's that that, that covers it. Gary, we have a couple that text uh, they text one another on the text line, and this whole thing started with the the, the 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 wife bringing up the fact that for Valentine's Day a few years ago, her husband gave her a tire gauge. Well, it's a thought that counts. And then the husband defended himself. <laughs> Uh, by saying that that wasn't the main present, and the wife is like, no, the thing that he's saying was the main present was actually what he gave me for my birthday. The tire gauge was the main thing. It's not a romantic gift, Gary. No, not at all. What's my the- wife hates practical gifts, and that's a practical gift. That makes your life kind of challenging for holidays. Does it not? What's that? They said that, that kind of makes your life a little bit challenging for holidays. you got to put in some extra work. Yeah, she didn't like it when I bought her a washer and dryer. <laughs> 
Do you, I mean, what do you have to do? Like, do you make like pine cone pictures? <laughs> oh, I, I drew this for you. I uh, yeah. <laughs> it is tough buying for someone who who doesn't like practical gifts. It'd be tough. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, you know, I like to mix in some fun stuff, but but you can never lose with flowers. Yeah. Flowers are and chocolate. Flowers die. Flowers die. And jewelry. Jewelry helps. Yeah. yeah the the year I forgot our anniversary. Oh ended, no. Oh yeah. I ended up dropping about fifteen hundred dollars on a <laughs> ring. <laughs> I'll wait, never do that again. Wait, which anniversary was it? How long had y'all been married? Oh, let's see. Surely it had to be up there, right? Uh, we've been married. We've been married thirty-three years, and I think at the time we and, and and it's easy to remember our anniversary date because we got married on the first day of spring, uh, March twentieth, and I totally forgot it. Mm. That's not good. But but she was happy that I forgot it because she really loved the ring. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so I made out okay. Way to save the day. All right, uh, Thornton's text line. Texter says, give Vandegriff whatever he wants. That's uh, a reference to, Bro- I don't know if this is a KRC text. This is clearly a UK fan because Brock Vandegrift, the Georgia transfer, there are all sorts of rumors out there that he is, is, is Lexington bound. That he's going to go to Kentucky. And that will be, that's a big deal for them. They're kind of going in the opposite direction of what they've done the last two years and what it looks like we may be trying to do. Um, you know, we brought in a six-year guy as kind of a gap quarterback. Kentucky brought in Devin Leary from NC State, six-year guy, kind of a, a gap quarterback. Brock Vandegrift is a redshirt sophomore this year at Georgia. He's 21. He would be a guy that would have a couple of years of eligibility, you could have him come in. Maybe he sets the world on fire next year, and then you bring him back for a senior season. So I think they're going for maybe a multi-year plan. Now, if he's good enough to go pro, you're, you're fine with that as well. But I think they're looking for more of a unproven, a little bit less proven, but maybe higher upside guy, which is, I think, what some Louisville fans want to see Jeff Brom do it. Texas says, since DePaul was the only other program going after KP, if we beat them, is there a chance they pull a Cincinnati and pay us to t- to take KP? No. But maybe. Maybe. Texas says, the real question is, had Louisville been undefeated with close wins over all our losses with Jack playing similarly in those games, would the committee had left us have left us out? Yeah. If we are... If Louisville goes 13-0, I think that they still jump Alabama and Texas over us. I, I think, I mean, honestly, we probably would have been behind, again, playing the same schedule we played, and we're 12-0 and going into last week's game. I think Florida State, they're where they are in this hypothetical. They're still four. I think they probably still have us behind, like, Bama, Texas, Oregon, Going into last, I think we would have been like seventh or eighth, and so they would have theoretically had to to say that our win over FSU with a third string quarterback would have jumped Bama and Texas. I don't think they would have done it. I think we would have gotten left out. I think them doing what they did to Florida State tells you all you need to know. Which would have, I'm not saying I'm glad we lost the games that we lost, but being 13, being the first power conference team to be left out of the the, the playoff, especially the year before the playoff expands would have been a little bit too much for me to take, I think. I think I would have had to have given up football at that point. 
I mean, at least we would have had confidence for the future moving forward. But I, th- I think if you're Florida State and you recruit the way that they always recruit, and you've got the brand recognition, and like they've got more money than we do, they've got more they've got more built-in advantages than we do as a football program. They can easily say, regardless of conference affiliation, we're going to be back. Mike Norvell is the co- he's the guy. We're going to bring in even more talented kids moving forward. Like we're going to be in this position again, and now they can't keep us out of the expanded playoff. For us, you know, going 13 and 0 this year would have been like the perfect storm. You had the right schedule. You had you know, just you know, won a lot of close games. Things broke your way. There'd be no guarantee that we're going to ever be in that spot you know, in the near future again, even with the 12-team playoff. So not getting in this year I think would have just been – it would have been too much for me to take. So thank you to Pitt. Thank you, UK. And thank you, Florida State, for making our lives a little bit easier mentally. Texas says there's imp- imposters out there ruining my good good name – just because they are a UK fan doesn't mean they are angry guy. Some of them are. Because you've admitted angry guy. Angry guy, we can find out where you... We, there are ways to figure out who you are. It's not hard to do. Texas, I'm glad that FSU didn't get, get in. It was annoying to hear that racist Tomahawk chant, Go Georgia. The Tomahawk chant was... Do you have to do it every single play? It's like Rocky Top. Just every single, like, do something else. Do, just Or maybe just, like, take a play off. Like, every good play, they had to do it. It's just, it, it's it's super obnoxious. Texas says, we were pissed off because we had the chance to beat FSU. The defense gave us the opportunity to win the game. Also, was Huggins-Bruce injured on Saturday? He was out there. I mean, Amari Huggins-Bruce, if you're, this is not, like, Mike doing inside knowledge. I think it's been pretty obvious that Amari Huggins-Bruce is, is a little bit upset about feeling like he was underutilized this year. Jamari Thrash very much was the focal point of the passing game. Kevin Coleman was the other guy. He caught a pass, the only receiver this year who caught a pass in every game. They upped Chris Bell's usage as the season went on. Um, some other guys got Jimmy Callaway was used a lot. I think Amari Huggins-Bruce felt like he deserved more. And his family has been very vocal on, on social media about feeling like he deserved to be used more. I, I think if you... Would love to see Amari stick around. Would love to see him back, but it's not hard to envision him hitting the transfer portal and going. And, and he, there'll be plenty of suitors out there for him if he does choose to do that. Texas, after the last after the last couple of weeks of dealing with Kentucky fans' BS, I am absolutely convinced that they spend more time following Louisville sports than their own, and they spend way more time cheering for their conference than they do, do their own teams. They have been look, and I'll say it again: that game this year was more about a avoiding the annoyance of everything that the loss was going to bring than it was about what you got by winning it. And it's been the most annoying two weeks to, to in the rivalry in a long time. I mean, every time that there's anything about Louisville brought up, there's just a million UK fans posting the score, talking about how they are, would win the ACC, the ACC sucks, and we proved it by beating UofL. And it's just been, it's been bad. But all you can do is sit in it. It's a big-time win for them. Texas may be an unpopular opinion after our offensive performance on Saturday. I'm glad we don't have to play Georgia in the Orange Bowl. We would more than likely have gotten pummeled. I don't think it's a unpopular opinion. I think a lot of people are saying the same thing. I don't agree with it. I mean, no, I'm not saying I don't agree with the the likelihood of us being pummeled. I think we very easily could get pummeled by Georgia. But I would have liked to have had the shot. I would have liked to have taken the swing. It's like the Florida and the Sugar Bowl. Everyone thought we were going to get crushed. It's the best 
college defense in 20 years, and we go out there and we win the game. Crazy things happen in bowl games sometimes. Texas says, check out the Squid Games contest show on Netflix. The biggest villain is a former Clemson football player who is following God's plan. I've heard Squid Games. I've never actually watched it. I know the, the, the basic plot. I don't feel the need to watch it, but I do love that the villain is a Clemson guy. It sounds like it's it tracks. Let's take a break. Last break of the show. When we come back, we'll run through as many texts as we can, and then we'll look ahead to the night that will be in sports. It's the Mike Rutherford Show, the Monday edition here on topics important to Southern Indiana. That's the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Weekdays at 11 a.m. on the home for the Hoosiers, 1450 WXVW. Until about 10 years ago, for any electrical work I needed at my house, I was always calling a different electrician, sometimes for the same job. Things weren't done right and they weren't done on time, but for the last 10 years, Allen Electrical has been the only one I call. The work is unparalleled, it's prompt, the team's the epitome of professionalism. <laughs> you know, when I see an Allen Electrical truck in a neighbor's driveway, I kind of smile because I know they're getting the best. Allen Electrical, your electrician for life. Visit allenelectrical.com. They'll never leave you in the dark. Hey, Cards fans, compete at a higher level with an MBA from the University of Louisville. This innovative 13-month program accelerates your career growth with convenient in-person evening classes and networking with your classmates that are like-minded professionals. Competitive 11-month paid internship opportunities provide you with industry experience like no other. It's like getting paid to earn your MBA. Get started today and earn your MBA in just 13 months. For more information, visit business.louisville.edu backslash MBA. While interest rates are on the rise everywhere else, at Genesis Diamonds, we've got just the relief you need this holiday season. Five years, zero interest on anything and everything. That's right. Genesis is rolling back interest rates to 0.0%. So that $5,000 diamond ring is yours for just $85 a month. Nothing's held back. Rings, earrings, bracelets, bands, certified natural diamonds, lab-grown diamonds, even luxury pre-owned Rolex watches. Just pick any item for that special someone and spread your payments over five years without paying a dime in interest. A $10,000 designer ring comes to just $167 a month. Don't miss this incredible offer. Where else in America can you get financing for 0%? Colored gemstones, designer fashion jewelry, the year's most treasured gifts, all included in this once-a-year offer. At Genesis, we're breaking all the rules to make sure this holiday season your money goes farther. Best prices, unbeatable selection, highest quality, and super aggressive financing. Merry Christmas from Genesis Diamonds, Shelbyville Road Plaza, on approved credit. 
At Juno Japanese Restaurant, not only do they strive to serve the most exquisite Japanese food, but they are also committed to providing their guests with a great dining experience. Juno Japanese Restaurant has many delicious items to choose from, like their extensive sushi menu, and you're going to love Juno's hibachi grill. Try their teriyaki chicken, New York steak, filet mignon, shrimp, scallops, and more. They're open for lunch and dinner with two locations, Hampton Lake Way off Chamberlain Lane and 5406 Antle Drive off Preston Highway. The plumbers, pipe fitters, welders, and HVAC technicians of Local 502's commitment to excellence can be seen in our community every day. The KFC Yum Center, Ford Motor Company, and the Omni Hotel are just a few examples of their professional craftsmanship. Local 502 has been part of our community for over a century and invests over $1 million annually training skilled local workers. Members of Local 502 are your friends, neighbors, and children's coaches. For more information, go to lu502.com. Local 502, built on excellence, building a better tomorrow. Kraft Sporting Goods is Southern Indiana's team sports specialist and is your local Adidas team product dealer. Kraft specializes in outfitting your team, organization, club, or business in apparel, hard goods, and accessories from Adidas and many others. Kratz offers fundraising opportunities for your team, organization, or club through online web stores. Let our friendly staff get you started today by calling 812-282-5400 or visit and shop at our website at kratzsports.com. This ain't no disco. It ain't no country club either. This is L.A. All I want to do is have a little fun before I die. There's a man next to me. There we go. California vibes. Yeah, I went, off, I, I went off the playlist for this one. I like it. Did the right thing. Uh, Gary's here. Trevor is not here. Trevor will be back uh, next week, I believe, to, to react to when there's like nothing going on. Perfect time for Trevor to come back. It's like next week when we've, you know, the football talk has died down and Trevor can get into his, uh, you know, his, his 30 minute monologues about. This obscure movie from 1983 that he watched last night that you haven't heard of. But for now, we get to talk sports. We've got about 20 minutes left if you want to have your thoughts made on this Reaction Monday. Now's the time to get those thoughts in. 502-414-1450. The good thing about this is we've got a ton of, uh, of text to get into, and we don't have Trevor just butting in with those monologues about movies from 1983 that you don't care about and that you haven't heard. So we'll get to all these texts. We'll, we'll do the best we can. And then we'll talk about the night ahead in sports. Texter says... Mike YouTube, t- I told you, Mike YouTube TV is awesome, but they've already gone from fifty four ninety nine a month to seventy nine ninety nine a month. Is that right? In the span of like twelve to fifteen months, every two to three months for the past year, I've gotten a message that says to improve your viewing experience, the new monthly price will be. Every streaming provider comes full circle, and you never end up saving on your cable bill. It always ends up being the same thing, right? Yeah, you, the new hot service that is giving the best deals, it always ends up becoming a bad deal. It's just the way it goes. YouTube TV, the same thing's gonna happen to you guys. But they people love the the quad box thing. I can't watch. I mean, I I want to focus on one thing. Like everyone who has they they do the thing during NCAA tournament time where they've got like seven different screens. Like I want to watch one game. I want to be focused on one game. Texture says, um, YouTube TV has Sunday NFL ticket now. They do. I however still have Hulu. There you go. They do have Sunday ticket. Texas, I'm a Hulu. Plus, live user myself. I chose it over YouTube because you got the Disney Plus package included with it, and it had the History Channel, which we watch a lot. YouTube doesn't. 
that's the difference between the two as far as I know. I saw a couple people say the same thing, that, that, that YouTube TV doesn't have the History Channel and one of the other networks, some other network that everybody has. Also, I watch like I watch pretty much every Reds game during the summer, and you can't get baseball on YouTube TV. So that's a, kind of a non-starter for me. Texas says, as someone who went to Charlotte, my biggest non-plumber complaint is our band. The FSU band put ours to shame, and this has been an issue in multiple games. Their band almost always... Um, their band plays almost all the way up until we snap the ball and goes crazy for any decent play. Ours twiddles their thumbs. Like their band, I did see a lot of people mentioning the bands came out together before the game and the FSU band is like four times our size. It did remind me of, I hope my wife's not listening to this, but we were for the Music City Bowl where we beat Texas A&M in, I guess that was 2015. It was a little Lamar game, kind of setting the stage for his Heisman season a year later. We were next to somebody that has been very instrumental in the UofL band over the years. And like it takes a lot of pride in, in what's happened with the UofL band. And my wife is like, <laughs> when the AM band comes out, she's like, they're embarrassing our band. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, I feel so sorry for our band. We look terrible next to theirs. And I'm like kicking her. I'm like, please stop. Please, please, please stop. But look, we don't have the same, the biggest football programs in America, they all have more resources. They've got they've had bands that have been this size for years and years and years and Florida State's one of those schools. So yeah, they've got a they have a band advantage. No question about it. Texas, I have YouTube TV and Spectrum Internet, best of both worlds. There you go. Texas, if Michigan beats Bama but JJ McCarthy gets hurt and Bama looks good, should Bama move on to the championship game? It really makes you think. I also don't want everybody to do the thing where if Bama beats Michigan, people will be like, see, told you it was the right decision. Whatever happens after the selection process doesn't necessarily justify the selection. The example I always use, VCU, in 2011, if you looked at their resume, had no business getting in the NCAA tournament, had no business being in the first four, and they ended up making a run to the Final Four. Were they one of the best 68 teams in the sport? Clearly. But they didn't have the resume to bolster. All you can go off is is the, the, the proof you have at that point in time. The results, the resumes. And... They didn't have it, and it was a bad selection. And the fact that they ended up winning five games over the next couple of weeks didn't, I think, change that. Texture says uh, DePaul is actually ranked higher than Chattanooga, 279. And that's the, if you want to know why we're ranked so low in the the net rankings, it's because the net rankings also utilizes a lot of strength of schedule. It matters who you've played, um, not necessarily who you've beaten and how you've beaten them. It does take margin of victory into consideration for anything under 10 points and we've won a lot of close games in a lot of quad four opportunities and then we lost to chattanooga who's not very good by 10 points texas the cfp is like a line is like an episode of whose line welcome back to the college football playoff where the games don't matter and we rule by ratings it's there have been a lot of good satirical pieces uh, about the situation that have been good floating around out there um a lot of good takes out there I, i can't say anything that these people haven't already said it's it's a sham. It's ridiculous. Texas, the best analogy that I've heard is that college football has now become figure skating. It sure feels like it. And I get that it always has to be to a certain extent unless you have the perfect storm where you've got four power conference champions that are all undefeated and the fifth power conference champion has like two or three losses and no group of five team is undefeated. But outside of that, you're always going to be comparing and contrasting. And like I said, 
the sport is just there are too many teams and too few games played to have any sort of exact science or anything resembling an exact science when you're just picking four teams. My chair just fell down. <laughs> Sunk very low. It threw me off. Um, it's why uh, of all the sports out there that need a playoff, college football, big time college football is near the top of that list. There's just imagine doing I mean, college basketball has about a little bit less than three times as many teams as as college football does, and yet their playoff way more than three times as many teams involved in the playoff. Imagine taking just what twelve teams out of three hundred and sixty two to determine who the best team in college basketball is. When you've got 362 teams playing 30 games in a regular season, it's outrageous. Does the system in, in college hoops lend itself to some of the best teams getting beat early, getting upset, having less of a chance to win a national title? Sure. But it's the only fair way to do a sport that's that big. Everyone gets a shot. You get to play until you lose. It's the way it should be. Texas, the not calling PI is one thing, but the amount of holding on our pass rushers was infuriating. There were, I mean... Ashton Gelati, I know we've talked about it a lot, but it, like, it's it's one of those rare fan complaints that's totally valid. If you watch him all season long, he's just whooping dudes left and right and getting held constantly, and that game was no different. There was It was the play where I thought they were going to eject either him or Quincy Riley. He's being, like, like multiple times for, like, five seconds. There's jersey being stretched. I don't know how you don't throw a flag on that. It drove me absolutely crazy. Uh, that was bad. The pass interference calls were bad. I don't think any of it costs the game. It was not nearly as egregious as some of the stuff that happened in some other games this year where I think we had more of ground to stand on. But it was it was also annoying to have six straight quarters where an opposing team didn't get called for a flag. According to Kelly Dickey, it's the first time it's happened in the history of Louisville football, at least since they've been tracking the stats. Uh, that, that seemed kind of outrageous. Texas says... Had we been able to get Austin Reed instead of Jack Plummer like originally planned, do you estimate the same outcome in the season? This is David, the emotional hedge bet guy. Thank you for your emotional hedge betting all season long in your service. I mean, I think Austin Reed is better than Jack Plummer. I do. I don't know if he's good enough to make us 12 and 1 instead of 10 and 3 or 13 and 0 instead of 10 and 3. I don't know. It's an impossible question to answer. I mean, Western didn't exactly have a fantastic season this year, and he was still, he was still kind of slinging it. I, I don't know. Texture says, uh, I made the mistake of replying to Mike's tweet about YouTube TV, and now I'm getting retweeted by YouTube TV. I have learned that there are a lot of people that love YouTube TV, and there are a lot of people that effing hate YouTube TV. I have never been so passionate about anything as much as these Twitter people are. How do I get them to unretweet me? Buddy, if I knew, you're going to have to mute the conversation. I muted that conversation a long time ago. I muted all the responses to that tweet. Cause, like, and look, I don't even... I'm not faulting people. I'm glad that you're passionate about it. I'm glad that you got it. But like at a certain point, I'm just hearing the same things over and over and over again. I just didn't know that the Army was this strong. They are. Texas, of our top 10 wins all time, how many have been against UK? Conversely, I think you asked this question last week, or somebody did. Um, yeah, They've had probably three wins that are in most UK fans' top 10 favorite wins. We've, we've had none, and that's because we've been – we've had a lot of times where we've been high-ranked and, and we've been favored and, and – They've gotten the job done against us. We haven't had the converse happen yet. So, Texas says, hopefully some basketball games will be on normal TV soon. That will help viewership. And this was on the ACC network. It's not like this was on extra. It's not like this was on streaming only. Like This was a game on the ACC network. We're going to have a lot of games on that network this season. Um, and people just didn't really care. 
Texas, I've never seen a team that just can't quite get it done no matter what before KP. Literally have no quality wins since he's been here. I'd like to be able to be an optimist about us being so close in most of our games this year, but we played the same way mostly at home last year as we did against Tech and IU. Progress has to be winning games against competent teams. At some point, I mean, like, I don't know how you all felt watching this. You know, I, I watched them play the first, whatever, 34 minutes of that game, and they played well, and they were in position to win. I had no faith in their ability to win. And it, it was progress that they came out, and, and they played hard for the most part. Brandon Huntley Hatfield was back to looking like the guy that we saw in New York. Um, Sky Clark did some good things. He did some maddening things. Tyler Johnson was the same way. He once again came in and gave us a spark of life. Um, but at the end, when it, when it came down, like you just you see that lack of faith in our players' eyes and, and their body language and, and the coaching staff, to be frank, where you just don't expect them to make the plays that they need to make to win games. And they didn't, and they lost by seven. It felt a lot like the IU game, where it just when it started to fall apart a little bit, it fell apart completely. What's the what was the saying that I used last year? That team they they always made turn snow flurries into an avalanche, and that's what this year's team is doing a little bit too. Texas Torvik has us favored in only three more games: Arkansas State, Pepperdine, and then Notre Dame at home. I think Ken Palm is the same way. I think he's got us he's got us winning eleven, but as far as games we're favored in, he's got. He's got Arkansas, Pepperdine, GT, and Notre Dame. So he's got four. That's uh, that's depressing. Texas, 13 wins is what we had the year before Payne. If we can't win six or seven more wins than that in year two, then we must move on. I agree. But I'm not sure that we are going to be in the majority. I think we will be in the majority, but I'm not sure that we will be on the same side as the people who matter the most. Texas, the bar for basketball has been lowered so it, so much that it isn't even fun. We have people trying to use Brom losing as a reason that KP should stay. It was those people that I saw. A little bit of that. Not very much, but a little bit of it. I was It was kind of ridiculous. Texas, but Mike, Josh Pastner said on the broadcast that this takes time and Kenny Payne is just going to figure it out. If we can't trust Josh, then who can we trust? I did love that Josh, Josh said uh, some variation of my old, you got to make shots. It's like the shots need to go in. I was like, you're damn right, Josh. You and me, buddy. We get it. You got to make shots to win games. Got to score points. That's why we're the best. Texter says, Mike, there's a new Brock in the portal, and by the looks of him, he's the Brockiest Brock of them all. This is, uh, again, Brock Vandegrift. Uh, look, don't get your hopes up for this one. There's a very strong chance that he's going to go to Kentucky. Texas, I get people being bummed about spending money, et cetera, on going to Charlotte to see us lose, but it was a very fun experience to hear Joker and the Thief and see Louisville painted in the end zone, et cetera, plus the great weather, and it was still awesome for the program. The videos that I saw of from both the, uh, the actual broadcast and from fans that were there of Joker and the Thief coming on and like the Louisville section and the players going nuts, I, I, when I saw that, I was like, I think we're going to win. I, I, I still thought we were going to win, despite all the – just offensive issues, and I think at that point it was what it was, was it ten to six, whatever it was. Like we were, we were a possession away. I, I, I was like, we're gonna win this game, and spoiler, we didn't. Texas says we would, we would need Notre Dame to beat Ohio State, and I have one loss. I don't know what that means. Rethink that text. Try it again. Texas says the Bulldogs are going to commit a war crime against Florida State, and it's not even going to be close. Similarly, I can't imagine a world where Washington even competes with Texas. I can. I think Washington and Texas will be close. I do think Florida can will probably stomp a mud hole in, in Florida State's ass. I think that will be that will be tough. 
And then everyone's going to justify it and, again, be like, they didn't deserve it, which I think is ridiculous. But that's exactly what's going to happen. Texas, do you know the truth on whether KP turned to Paul down or they didn't offer him the head coach? I don't, and I, I've said this multiple times. I know people on both sides. I've heard different stories from both sides. I, I've heard that DePaul said thanks but no thanks. I've heard that Kenny said thanks but no thanks, and I don't. Whatever happened led to a disruption in the relationship between Kenny Payne and Dwayne Peavy. So clearly one side said no. Texas, in response to the first texter ripping the fan base regarding Jack Plummer criticism, what exactly do you want them to say? Outside of doxing or threats of violence, fans should be allowed to say what they want. Maybe the texter and Plummer should move to China where they don't have to worry about social media. I mean, why? My whole point when, when, when you do stuff like this, like when you're tweeting at Jack Plummer and being like, you suck, never play football again, what is the benefit of that? What good does it do? What do you think that he's just going to play better because Cards fan 69 tweeted at him at 3 a.m. and told him that he sucked? It's not like he wasn't trying before. I get being frustrated. I was frustrated with the way that he played. I've been frustrated with the way he's played multiple times this season. But going to social media and being like, you suck, you're terrible, you're my least favorite player of all time, what does that do to alleviate the problem? I guess, does it make you feel better? I don't think so. It certainly doesn't make him feel better. And no player has ever been like, I... I was kind of half-assing it, and then I saw all of my fans on social media being like, hey, man, you're terrible. Step it up. And then I started really trying. And now that made me the player that I am today. It just it doesn't do anything good. Texter says, uh, speaking of getting different chants and cheers, I would love for Louisville to have something besides the Cards chant. I also got to thinking about this after seeing the hilarious Pat McAfee pick of Bama on game day when he started it with a Georgia cheer. Need something organic like that. Jesus, that was a long text. We've had longer. I came up with a new cheer, the I like red, we like red, you like red, go cards. Didn't take off. It could. It should. Texture says, uh, oh God, I'm not getting into whether the tomahawk chop is racist or not. We're not, we're not going to do that. It's too late in the show. Texas, I'll ask you what I asked a buddy. Should our fans start calling or calling on every down like FSU fans? Because my God, that bleep was annoying. Call, I like that. That's good. The bird cheer. Texas says, um, I may be mistaken, but I believe this is the first time Terry Rozier has come back or associated with Louisville since everything went down. He was dressed in full Louisville attire watching from the sideline. I did see that. Like He was at the game on the sideline in Charlotte. Now, he has tweeted about Louisville stuff before, but I think that you know he was on the list of guys that were, because he didn't cooperate with the NCAA, he was featured in the book. Um, did not cooperate with the NCAA. He was on that list with Montrez Harrell and Shane Bahannon, I think, for guys that weren't allowed to come back. I think that's done now, so he should be good. And he hasn't shot away from it. It's not like he's been like, I don't care about Louisville. He's tweeted about Louisville before and made some comments about Louisville. I just don't think he's been back in town. Texture says, please tell me that the pod will be up soon after the show ends. Wasn't able to catch the first two and a half hours. Maybe. We'll figure it out. Texas Mike, talk about a team with a true chance at a Final Four. Women's volleyball... Some consider this a down year, and we still have a chance at the hardware. Go Cards, beat Pitt. Well, I mean, they, I mean, it's down year only relative to the last two years where they've, you know, I think we've lost four matches so far this year. We lost, what, none two years ago before the Final Four. I think we lost two last year uh, before going to the national championship and, and losing to Texas. So, yeah, we've looked, we, we dropped the first set against Wright State. 
We look better uh, against Western Michigan beating them 3-0. They're going to, you know, we're all looking ahead to the third match against Pitt. They'll have their hands full against Creighton on, um, uh, I think that's Thursday. Creighton's the three seed in that region. It's a good volleyball program. Nebraska's a good volleyball state, obviously. So, you know, we got to take care of that business first and then hopefully get that rubber match against Pitt. And hopefully it goes the same way it went last year when we beat them in the Final Four. If that happens, then you're almost certainly staring down a matchup with undefeated Nebraska in the Final Four. Danny Buspin Kelly played there. She got all the ties. We've beaten them a couple of times since DBK has been here. Um, but this Nebraska team seems like a different animal. But I'm still excited. I I'm, I'm, love watching the volleyball team this time of year. love watching them chase a national title. And it does feel like we, we have a chance, again, to break through and win a championship. Texas, does, does the staff like Dante Moore? He looked like the most promising QB in the All-American game. I'm sure they do. I just don't know if they have the funds to to beat out some of the other teams that are going to go after him. Texas says you're going to have to introduce a. I'm going to have to introduce Streamcast to you, Mike. Tell Scoots to give you some info. Scoots is my te- my my technology guy. I'll go to him. He helps me out. Texas, I went to Charlotte. The pregame tailgate was awesome. The fans that showed up were awesome. I've concluded that I hate FSU fans more than I hate Clemson fans. My new biggest enemy in the conference. I did hear from a lot of people that we were, and this isn't a surprise, like wildly outnumbered down there. And that FSU fans were were brash and, and very vocal. I think that the reason, because I, I know some people that have gone to Tallahassee, we've played some down, when we've played them in road years, we've played a lot of teams from Florida State that have been down and the fan base has been kind of down. I think that has diminished their obnoxiousness. So you got the full obnoxious FSU experience if you went to Charlotte. And I think that that, is, that has maybe opened some people's eyes. Texas, I may have said this in the past uh, before, but your producer filling in today sounds like Gary Rodemeyer. Not a bad thing, though. Not at all. Gary, you do kind of you, you and Rodemeyer both have very great cadence. You're you very, think so? Great TV and radio voices for sure. Mm. Gary Rodemeyer once emceed a speech contest that I won <laughs> in college. Uh, sound like Gary Rodemeyer looked like Barry Burnson. <laughs> Still not a bad combo. All all three Louisville legends. Texas says, two weeks ago, Cards have a shot at the playoff, loses to UK. That game was meaningless. One week ago, we're guaranteed a spot in the Orange Bowl. Yesterday, reality hits. ACC is Pop Warner. I mean, nobody ever said the UK game was meaningless. I mean, we said that it, you know. I, no, I take it back. I think that I think that, that line actually was said because we thought we were going to go to the, the Orange Bowl. But we knew as the week went on that there was definitely a shot that we couldn't go. And unfortunately, that's exactly how it played out. Texas, Austin Reed had a bad season at WKU this year. He wasn't, yeah, he wasn't great. The team wasn't great. I, I do think that he's got more skills than Jack Plummer, and I think you were talking about how those skills would fit in this offense, but yeah. There's, I absolutely hate YouTube TV. I had it for less than 12 hours. There's the there's the uh, the minority. Texas, I missed the first two and a half hours of the show. Can we get the pod tonight? Maybe. I'm going to email it to um, Trevor, so it'll be up to him. Fingers crossed. As always, direct all complaints to kelsey.trevor at gmail.com. If you have them, load his inbox out. He will, uh, he will say it. Did you, says, Did you see that Thor is making an official visit? I didn't, but that's very good news. Um, Josh Mingans, yeah, Josh Mingans in the portal. All right, uh, that's all settled. We've got NFL football tonight. Bengals, Jaguars, uh, it's a 8-15 kickoff on ABC. Jacksonville is a 10-point home favorite. This is a very important game for Cincinnati if they want to have a shot to, to make the playoff. I know people are kind of just punting on their season with Burrow out, but if they had a, a chance to be – a late-season spoiler, a surprise team that can make a run to the AFC playoffs. It feels like this would be a nice jumping-off point against a very good Jacksonville team on the road to Monday Night Football. I don't think it happens. 
I, I feel bad for Bengals fans. The Reds are going to end up having a better season. Reds also, let's get some pitchers. Let's make some more moves. I appreciate what you're trying to do right now. But Jacksonville rolls tonight. Big-time game for Trevor Lawrence. I think this is one of those games where it's so dominant that people start talking about, have we been overlooking Jacksonville as a realistic threat to win the Super Bowl? Jags win. Jags cover. There's some good college basketball tonight. We're back tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Scooter Dingus will be here. Everyone enjoy your Monday evenings. We'll see you tomorrow. Go Cards. W. Jeffersonville.